Hey, everybody, before this week's episode of the podcast, I want you to very quickly, if you are not already, subscribe to At The Elephants on whatever platform you're enjoying this on. And if you're on iTunes, please take a moment to drop a five-star rating and please send us a review. And with that, on with the show. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. He said with a big open voice, or at least attempting to do so. Um, Hello, everyone. Welcome to At The Elephants. I'm your host, Rob Morris. Another fantastic episode for you today. Uh, Another perfect stranger that I talked to for two hours. Um, You know, it's some crazy shit. I love it when the people I, I meet you know, and I have absolutely no connection with them. We hit it off. We get to talking. It's fun. It's not awkward. That almost never happens here. It happened some when I first started doing this. It was more of a thing. It's not really a thing now. It's, I don't know, maybe I got better at it. Maybe the idea of doing podcasts got a little more comfortable for people. It's hard to say really, but I just, you know, they just keep getting better and better. Love doing this show. Um, today is November the 10th when I'm recording this. So it's coming out on the 11th, November 11th, Veterans Day. One love to the veterans. Also my father's birthday. One love to the father uh, who for sure does not fucking listen to this. Like no way has he ever heard this. If he like texts me or something that he heard this in the intro, it's going to blow my mind. I don't, I do not have that kind of engagement with that demographic, my dad. Um, no fucking way. But you know who does like this show? It's a, actually a nice little segue. Um, I kind of have poked in the intros here about like, hey, if you're a fan of the show, I want to hear from you, reach out, DM, stuff like that. And I have heard from a lot of people actually. So thank you to everybody who has reached out and said, they like the show or a particular episode. Um, that's actually happened a lot. People have responded to that, um, which is a new thing. When I first started doing that, it's like everybody the, – the downloads were just the same when I did this the first time. Uh, it's a little bit more now, um, but as far as, like, overall numbers, it, it's very similar. Uh, and so people – engaging with the show and commenting and rating and reviewing and all that stuff like I know I I beg for it but it's because I really want to know for sure that people are getting value out of it uh it may not seem that way when I'm doing the interviews it may it may not seem like I'm going anywhere but I think the um the thing that I love about this show and the way it's evolved is that it really has become even more an at the elephants like that's more relevant now like the the title is even more appropriate because when it first started, I was really trying to get a profile on the backstory, and I feel I feel like that still happens, but it's become so much more casual and hangout, and we get to so many other topics, and I feel like the important parts of their backstory come up, and uh, you know if they don't, we'll get to them next time they're on the show, whatever. Um, also a lot of positive feedback about my. Um, move to Austin, which I want to make something clear. Uh, anyone listening to this who's a, who's reached out or not, or you're curious, uh, if you listen to the big announcement, um, which is just a few episodes ago, 
Um, if not, you can go back and listen to it. It's just the title of the episode is Rob's Huge Announcement. Uh, and th- just to say uh, very briefly, if you go listen to the whole thing, you, which I think you should, but I, I'm going to Austin to start a business with my dad that is a media company and open mic theater, um, stand-up comedy open mic theater in Austin, Texas. I'm not moving there like permanently. I'm keeping my place in LA because I fucking got it like that. What up? Um, and you know, so we're gonna start this new thing, and I'm very excited to do it. There are a bunch of people in Austin who are going to do this show. Uh, once I land, so that is gonna be super fun, and a lot of people. Uh, have reached out and like wish me good luck and stuff like that. So I really appreciate that to anyone listening. Um, what else? Oh, I've got some awesome interviews this week. Like, excuse me, the the week of the 11th, like this week that I'm doing. One of them I'm doing today as this episode is coming out that I'm super excited about. I'll probably post about it. Um, I got another one coming up uh, hopefully tomorrow, Tuesday, with my good, dear friend, Brian Suto. I don't even like to drop the names in case it doesn't happen, but I'm, I'm so confident, and if it doesn't, we will get him on at some point no matter what because I love Brian, and uh, he reached out and said some kind words about the show and, and how he's been enjoying it, and I was like, dude, we got to get you on there, and uh, so he's, he's going to come do it. You guys are going to love listening to Brian. If you don't know him, um, that is an episode not to be missed. Um, but other than that, I am very excited for you guys to get to know Caitlin Lovett. If you don't know her already, um, you know, she's a modern dancer. Um, she is, um, very much on the physical trainer kick, you know, she's doing, I don't want to, that sounds patronizing. That's not what I meant. It's just like that. That's a new, it's a new endeavor for her to do the personal training thing. Um, because she is super into fitness. We talk about that. Um, we talk about a lot. This episode, like I said, went on for a while um, because, you know, that's where the substance is. I only cut for two reasons, and it's because we've gotten to the end of, like, two hours, which I feel like is about the limit for this show. And, uh, or, you know, I have somewhere else to go. Um, so I guess three reasons, and then if it kind of runs out of gas. And it's okay if it runs out of gas. That's not to say anything about the person um, at all. But sometimes it's like, you know, you talk to certain people for certain amounts of time. Uh, I probably could have talked to Caitlin for longer. It was a really engaging uh, chat, as you're about to hear. Um, and I love the streak of dancers that we're having. The show's lent so uh, heavy on the drama and the film and, uh, you know, getting the DMP in there from time to time. But since we started doing dancers, it's like snowball dancer effects. So... Happy fall, everybody. Happy November. Enjoy this chat with Caitlin Lovett. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's I just don't like wear headphones. That's yeah. a big thing for me for whatever reason. Like, I just don't like the feeling of that. I feel like we're like in it makes a you booth. feel like you're in like a, on the radio. Exactly. Which I don't hate the idea of being on yeah. the radio, but there's something that feels isolating about it. Um, to before I, you know, get distracted, I, I do want to mention it real quick because anyone who's listening to the show, 
I don't know, since I started it in May. Um, they've been building this uh, fucking addition to my apartment building. So it's not even like next door they're building something because that's happening too. But in my actual building that is connected to my floor and walls, they are adding to it, which is just like you couldn't ask for uh, a rougher situation. I feel like I feel like when I listen to some podcasts in New York, at least they're like they've thrown it out the window because like, what are we going to get? No sirens oh, in our New York, no. unless we're underground. There's no gonna, hope. Yeah, absolutely. So I've given up on it. Um, I like to think it adds authenticity. They're building more <laughs> apartments. They're making room for all the people. You'd think that it would lead to like a better rate for me since the building is now bringing in more money. But, you know, it's just going to be like, no, now the building's of worth more. Of course not. It's going to be an increase. Yeah, 100%. Even though they built it in front of my view of downtown L.A. Uh, I know. No, I'm going hard at them next time they try to raise the That's rent. That's a tough hit. I'm like, you were supposed to be done with this. Yeah. Um, but you're coming from North Hollywood. I am. How long have you been in North Hollywood? I've been in North Hollywood for just over a year now. Where were you before that? You said, did you say Culver? Yeah, I was in Culver City for a year before I moved to North Hollywood. And shortly after moving to L.A. and being in Culver City, I quickly learned that everything I needed to do for dance and for my dance career was leading me into North Hollywood. So that's pretty much why we made the move. You just mean like you were like all the jobs you were getting into yeah. were all in the valley? That and also all of the dance studios are in the valley. So every time I wanted to take class, I would have to travel an hour or maybe even longer depending on traffic to get to a class. And it was so hard for me to stay motivated because to take a class rather than now I can just drive 10 minutes down the street, I would have to leave an hour and a half in advance get home an hour and a half after and i'm sure if people are listening from new york they're like that's nothing right yeah for sure <laughs> like, that's no, fine we get super complacent and, and a little lazy about our travel times here yeah and i think it's because they are more based in fucking reasonable like you know well, yeah and like also, you go in new york you just take for granted that it's going to be an hour and some people out here are like that too which is crazy to me like mm -hmm. i have i work in hollywood and i have friends who come from like long beach every day that's insane yeah that is and i'm so like for far. those listening that's like probably an hour or more minimum at like at least that's where it starts mm-hmm that's two hours of your day at least if not three like it makes your work day that much longer I cannot understand it like I'm yeah. too I'm too spoiled for that kind of shit well also in LA you have to realize you're not moving the entire hour you're just sitting mm -hmm. there you're just sitting there in your car right and it's so tough <laughs> Yeah, what do you do with your car time? Are you a podcast person? I am a podcast person. And you've I listened to this crime. before. Yeah. Which I have. is great because that's super rare. Most of the people get very excited about doing this, but they've never heard it. I have it. never listened. Of course. That, but that's how podcasts go. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, I'm so thrilled to be here. I'm like, cool. Have you ever heard it before? Like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> um, which I totally understand. But yeah. thank you for that patronage. Uh, you like your true crime? I do. Well, are we, did you watch, uh, listen to Serial when that was first popping up? No, that was like the I first haven't. real one. Have you ever heard uh, it? No, I don't think so. Oh my God. So that's like the original true crime podcast. Like that's the one they made into a, um, I think an HBO thing very recently actually because it just keeps developing because the dude's yeah. like still in jail and it's still this giant question mark of whether or not he did it. Oh, that's insane. Yeah. So that's my, that's my like super mainstream recommendation. Uh, but um, what, so, does that keep you what mood does that put you in as you're traveling this is something i've been thinking about a lot lately like tony robbins uh the like motivational speaker guy mm -hmm. 
Uh, I'm not, I'm not like super well versed on his whole thing. I've just kind of heard of him as a person in the background of my whole life. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. I just know he's gigantic because every time you see him, he's, he's like eight feet tall and his <laughs> hands are like basketballs. Um, I, so I don't know a lot about the guy's thing, but I was recently listening to him on somebody else's podcast and yeah. he was talking about how he actively, he's not a big meditation guy as much as he is, he primes himself for things. So if he wants to be in a certain mood, if he wants to have a certain energy, he like listens to that kind of music or meditates himself into that kind of space before he goes yeah. always. And I don't even think about that. I'm just like, I'm thinking about meditation and priming as like a big macro, like where do I want to be in my life? But he yeah. does it micro, like each individual moment. He's like, this I need to be really huh. motivated in this way. So I'm going to listen to this song. Yeah, and I can understand that because. So now I'm thinking more intentionally, like what am I doing on my way to something? Yeah. Am I jamming out to music that's getting me high energy? Am I listening to a podcast that's more thoughtful and putting me a little more introspective? You know what I mean? Yeah. I have thought about that I before. feel like I do a little bit of that, actually. Like, before I go into an audition, if I'm ever on my way to an audition, I always, like, hype myself up with the music that I listen right. to. And I'm sure a lot of people do that, too, before they go into, like, a situation where they have to have a lot of energy or where they have to be on. So right. I totally feel that. And then I also, if I've had, like, a very long day, I feel like I definitely cater my music on my way home like my drive home do you think like, it's but do you think it's conscious or is it just this kind of subconscious like you're feeling a certain way and when you reach for the phone you just kind of put on the appropriate thing there's not like a conscious thought of like you know what I'd like to change how I'm feeling so let me put on something that's in the other direction it's kind of like you almost feed yourself what you know you need yeah does that make sense yeah no this it totally is me does. thinking it's, out it's loud kind of, this is not premeditated it's kind of unconscious yeah you're you just, just like go to it. Yeah, it's kind of like I'm in this mood for this food. I'm in this mood for this thing. And you don't even really make a decision like, oh, I'm going to do this. And that's kind of what I guess I'm getting at is I'm trying to train my brain to like. Yeah, he puts so much thought behind yeah, it. Yeah, I'm like, I'm, I want to feel this way. So even though it may not immediately feel comfortable because I'm not in that place right now, I want to start engaging with the kind of stuff that like gets me there. Huh, that's super you know interesting. I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and so I wonder what kind of mood or what, what it does to you to like jam on true crime for 30 or 40 minutes before oh. <laughs> you get somewhere. You know what I mean? Like what's the effect of that? So I usually I will only do that if it is like on my way home from work. I work around kids a lot. So I'm definitely not trying to get in that headspace before I go and teach like a yoga class to three year olds. Sure. But do you? Well, usually it's just something I'll listen to, like as far as true crime goes. Right. Uh, something I'll listen to on like a really long drive mm. home from work, like so where you, I know I'm going to be in you traffic. Don't, yeah, you don't strap in for that unless you think you have the time to like oh, yeah. hear oh, out yeah. the story. Oh yeah, because I'm going to want to finish it and what's sit the in my what's car. the like the minimum amount of time you know that you're like oh it's over this I'm going to put true crime on as opposed to like oh it's like a 20 minute thing I'm just going to jam out oh, to some fucking 20 minutes whatever. Spotify. Got it. 40 minutes podcast. Got you. Okay. Yep. That's interesting. Because yeah. some people I know are all or nothing. And I was for a long time, even though I've been podcasting for a little while, um, I'm just not a podcast person. I had a couple yeah. of them I would listen to, but I was like music, period. I just would get in the car. And it's kind of like when you know you have good documentaries that you should catch up on and then you watch yes. the fucking office again or something. Yes. Like you sit down and you're like, there is, there's that moment. Right. When you engage with it, whatever it is, like yeah. you're you pick up the phone, you pick up the remote on the TV or the Xbox controller or whatever the fuck it is that like, yeah, is your link to that thing. And you have that moment when you're like, am I going to better myself with this moment or yeah. am I going to make myself feel better? It's my I feel like that's the choice. Right. Yeah. Am I either going to make myself better or am I going to make myself feel better? 
Right. And we all are almost always like feel better. Yeah. Well, it's something if you just turn on something that's like a habit for you, it's almost just mindless or you can do it um, without having to really like put any thought behind it. Like sometimes I'll go home and just have a really, really long day and I'll put something on TV and then I'll be on my phone the whole time also. Right. And I'm like, what am I doing? What like, the I'm fuck not, is the point of that? I'm not I watching I do the same thing. Anything. I was doing it last night. I yeah. put on a TV show I've already seen uh-huh. on the TV and then I'm looking at shit on my phone that I don't even care about really. Yep, exactly. Digging yeah. desperately to find something I do care about that lasts probably on average like 15 or 20 seconds. Oh, yeah. And then I'm like, oh, that didn't do it. It's like, you know what I mean? A little <laughs> well, bit. Well, that didn't work. Not really. Because like here I am like trying to turn on, um, you know, I, I think there's some joke uh, in a movie and I can't even remember what it is, but he's like got the TV and the radio on at the same time and he yeah. can't even really explain why he's doing it. It's like, why would you need to do both? And he's like, I don't know. Just and I background. think it's, yeah, well, we just want to be, we don't want any gaps in our entertainment or in our uh, pleasure. I think if we see like a a minute gap, we're like, well, we just have the office in the background. And then I put my phone down for a second to go check on something in the kitchen. That one little moment when I might not have been entertained, Michael Scott's going to say some shit in the background. "Ah, Right. I love that. Anyway, now I'm in the kitchen (laughs) and I don't have to be alone for like a second. Yep. Yeah. It It, goes back to feeling like you're not alone, I think. Right. That's a big part of it. What do you think? true crime for example because I'm interested in that a little bit but I'm not okay. like addicted and I know it's a huge yeah huge yeah thing. it's a huge it's probably like other than just celebrity hangout stuff on podcasts it's got to be the second like biggest yeah, genre yeah. right I have people requesting or not requesting but suggesting things to me all the time and there's they know you're like a nut about it so they're like check out this it. one yeah but then again Apart from documentaries, that's also like what I want to watch when I turn on Netflix. Do you think your brain gets anything out of that? Mm, is it just mindless or is there something no, you're getting? It's not. What are you like, getting? I just think it is so interesting. So like, you're just, stimulated. Yeah. But are you taking percent, anything? Like, but, do you feel like you're like smarter? Do you feel like you are taking away any of the problem solving hmm. or the reasoning? Do you yeah, look at so, things different? My mind works like incredibly logically. Sure. Actually, before I went into dance, I grew up my entire life thinking I was going to be an architect. Where are you from? North Carolina. Cool. Where in North Carolina? I'm from a small town called Wilkesboro. It's about 45 minutes out of Winston. Word. Yeah. So it's going closer to the mountains. Mm -hmm. But I always thought I was going to be an architect. So my brain is just so logical. You're very mathematical? Yes. I loved math growing up. And... I think that watching true crime shows like that. Dancer who loves math. What a freak. Yeah. I know. I know. Exactly. (laughs) But I I said that with a big smile on my face. People can't fucking see that. I was not not mean. It was not mean at all. I got to start fucking taping these a little bit. Taping. (laughs) That's how old I am. Anyway, continue with what you're saying. But yeah. And I feel like it just kind of engages that part of my brain to watch things like this. Like the true crime. And also it's something that's so far away from anything that I would do or could imagine doing that it just takes you into a different world. And I think it's that's what's so interesting. It's, like it's a almost full like departure. an escape. Yeah, it's an escape. It's like why people watch movies or get like really involved into these fantasies. Why do you things. think do you watch like like trashy TV? Is that a thing for you too? Or is or is true crime more of like a more intellectual kind of thing? I mean you don't have to pat yourself prefer, on the back. You tell me the truth. I prefer more like intellectual type things, but if I go home, my mom and I can sit and watch trash TV for hours. But does that that's kind of tied to your mom though? Yes, it is. You it's don't watch a lot of trash TV when you're solo. No. Gotcha. So what do you think it is 
that people get out of it because I, I mean I think about this a lot I work in reality TV I like mm-hmm. to think I don't work in trashy reality TV but maybe people think so that's for them to decide uh-huh. um, I like my show I often have people from the other part of reality world come on my show as a contestant and then I get a little peek into like what is bachelor world like what is real yeah. housewives world like I did work on that show but my point being is like I'm deeply fascinated maybe even one of the reasons why I'm still in this part of the business for right now is why people fucking watch the shows that I make. Like it's in, because I never did and wouldn't if I didn't know Lindsay Arnold and Whitney Carson. Like if I didn't get, like if I didn't know them on a personal level, which I didn't know who they were before the show. Right. If they weren't my coworkers, I wouldn't tune into the fucking Dancing with the Stars either because it's not my kind of thing. But I'm deeply fascinated by why people, what people do with their time when they're not working. Yeah. Like, period. That's super interesting to me. And I, and I wonder why. Because you, here you are being like, look, I'm a dancer. And when I leave, I want to do something deeply intellectual because I'm doing something that's emotive and yeah. physical and puts me in my body. And I want to, like, retreat up to my brain for a little while. Yeah, and exactly. Think. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, But some people don't. Some people want to retreat to watching Real Housewives, which I cannot imagine makes them think. And it's right. like, what is that retreat? <laughs> what is it from and what is it to? Those are interesting so to me. I don't watch reality TV on my own. But when I go home, my right, mom and I. Right, you watch with your mom. What oh, do you watch? Real Housewives. Of course. That which is one? Do you have a favorite? I love Beverly Hills. That was the only Orange one I worked on. County. Word up. Yes. Big Heather Dubrow fan? Yes. She's crazy, <laughs> but she looks beautiful. Um, She's and I always love her very nice to me. Too. Her husband has botched. Botched was the show I worked on like three seasons of. Now, when see, I, first I got think here. it that really was the main that one. because it's a little more like on the medical side. So I think it's so interesting. But well, I and it's also on the like recognizing people for failing. That's one of my favorite things about botched because <laughs> you have to to qualify for that show. You have, you to, have, have to have made a mistake. Oh yeah. Like yeah. you went to Guatemala or whatever to get your boobs done, and, and now it's, it's like yeah, not great. Yeah. And the deal that they make you, which I've talked to you uh, talked to about on the show before, which is like sure we'll fix it. Like the number one like Beverly Hills OC best surgeons in the world. Oh yeah. But you got to be, be on TV. Great. Yeah. That's and the show deal. The whole world. Yeah, and you, you have did. to admit your mistake right down the barrel of the lens. Look me in the face as your producer and yeah. say I should not have gone here. I should not have done this. <laughs> My life is not going the way I wanted to. Please that was help. A bad five hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. 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 So I think that some of the reality TV stuff also just goes back to people escaping their own world. Because mm-hmm. like when I watch The Real Housewives, their lifestyles are just so lavish and not at all what I'm used to. And I feel like that's kind of why I like to watch it because I just think it's so interesting aside from the fact that they're constantly fighting with each other and why there's think, so much drama. But Why do you think we're so <laughs> bored with what's around us you know because I don't think that's why you listen to true I'm sorry I don't think that's why you listen to true crime is because you're bored with dancing it's because you've done so much of this other thing that you do enjoy yeah well you just want to spend some time not doing that so when you go back to it it's a little more fresh right yeah and it's like I haven't you know dance 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 all the time which yes which is hard yeah it's super hard and we've talked about that if you have listened to the show before then you know that's one of my like most interesting things which is like what is your world outside of this because to be truly great at dance playing the fucking tuba anything that's like really a very specific craft where there are rules of right and wrong so I'm kind of purposely excluding filmmaking and acting right because those get way more subjective and while there are parts of dance that are subjective of course there's so much craft to it 
There right. is fucking right first position and wrong first position. Oh yeah. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. there there it is it is binary in that way in that you are getting it right or you're or not. Or you're wrong. Yeah. And when you put your life into studying that, it takes your fucking life. Oh. Like you can't kind of learn how to dance no. and become great at it. Not at all. It just all. doesn't work that way. Yeah. It's it's you know, and I've kind of gotten into stand up and that it's a weird fun mix cuz it's super subjective. But at the same time, they either laughed or they didn't. Yes. So you either nailed it or you missed it. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you wrote that joke and it works perfect for this one room and now you've gotten into this room and it doesn't work, Mm -hmm. you either have to recognize that and try to morph with the room or or fix the room's energy or whatever. Like you got to be there because at the end of the day, even if you wrote an amazing set and you get off stage and nobody laughed, Mm -hmm. you're not fucking funny. Yeah, like that's you it. have to kind of read the room. Uh-huh. You have to. Mm-hmm. And so going back to my point of like, what do we do when we're not busting our ass learning this craft? Right. And you have this energy that like, I got to go get into my head because I've been yeah. feeling shit for, you know, so yeah. much of my time. Um. So what do, what is like, why do we need to go to Beverly Hills? I've never felt that the the impulse before I worked on that show which I still don't watch that show I worked on it I met a lot of people who work on it right I don't watch that one it doesn't interest me at all like I'm so I'm so consumed with what I do Mm -hmm. and that's on my mind all the time that when I escape I guess I want to go to like like I watch cartoons and shit like yeah they're They're great but it's interesting like why people go to certain things and I wonder what people get out of that so it's different than your world when you watch Beverly Hills with your mom Okay, let's go back yes. to that. Yeah. It's very different from your world. Do you grow up with some money or like no money or like, uh, okay. Upper middle class. Okay. I would say. Pretty comfortable. Yeah, we were comfortable. Very comfortable. I was lucky. Gotcha. Yeah. So how far removed does Beverly Hills housewives feel, even though you grew up not wanting for a lot? You didn't grow up on the street. You weren't hungry. Yeah, exactly. Anything you basically wanted, as long as it wasn't insane, it was probably found for you in some way or another. So like. That's the next echelon. Right. What, like, what's the interest there? Like, what, what does your mom get out of it if you had to venture a guess? Like, what is that? I don't know. I think that there's a part of it when we watch it together. We kind of feed off of each other. Mm-hmm. We laugh at it. A lot of it's pretty humorous. Like, these women oh, sure. are so out to, of touch. Yeah. They're so out of touch. And they, they just, they fight about the craziest things. And some of it is just kind of humorous to us. So, you know, we'll just laugh about it when we watch it. So when we watch it, we're not watching it in like a serious mindset. Like, well, I don't know. If any, is anyone doing that? This is very serious. I mean, I hope not, but I'm I sure some imagine. are. Maybe. But, you know, we, we watch it because it's funny. We laugh. But like also my mom and I will watch really crazy, like supernatural, scary story horror films together too which is like the complete opposite end there's something harmless in the absurdity of it right yeah yeah what's a here so here's what's kind of a drag about it because i totally see that but at the same time it's like they are real people Mm -hmm. and their being out of touch may or may not have an effect on the world around them in a real way unlike a show that you would watch that's totally fictional you know you watch Arrested Development right and you watch a show about like the Bluths who are like comically rich and out of touch and from Orange County Uh so like here's a fictional version of the Real Housewives in a way they've made jokes about how that's a similar vibe yeah it's funny because no one gets hurt right you know what I mean 
But it's like, I think that's one of the things that sometimes maybe I would venture to say grosses me out about some reality TV is I'm Mm -hmm. like, when we turn this show off, and granted it's produced, I've stood behind the cameras. Yeah. But when we turn it off, those people go out into the world and keep like to a degree, to a degree, (laughs) yeah, that's who they are or we wouldn't have produced around that story point. Or them. Exactly right. So I think that's one of the things that kind of like people turn it off and they disappear from their brains. Oh, yeah, they totally do. I mean, I'm not thinking about Kyle Richards when I'm, you know, making my breakfast in the morning. (laughs) Yeah, of course. But somewhere she's being mean to someone who's making her breakfast that morning. You know what I mean? Possibly. Yeah, I will. I like to think. But yeah, I like to think that a lot of it is more scripted than we would like to think. I'm sure there's it's highly produced. Yes, exactly. But that doesn't mean that. That doesn't mean that what they're any. Let me be super clear about this. Um, every single interaction I've had, specifically on Housewives, and pretty much on Botched uh-huh. with all of these people that we're actually talking about, yes, was fine. Yeah, they were kind to me. You know, they didn't know who I was. Don't remember who I am. Right, which is great. Uh, because it means I'm never ever on their radar again. They yeah. could meet me tomorrow and, and it would be like, hey, nice to meet you for the very first time and we worked together for months. Right, they wouldn't know. No, 100%. And the fact that with me being in their world like that, you know, I had a fine experience with them leads me to believe that, yeah, a fair amount is out there that's going fine. But I guess it's just like, I mean, we made a reality star our president. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, it's like we saw how much of a dick he was on TV, and we still were like, "Yeah, okay, him." Yeah, that's the right choice. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. Like we yeah. were like, maybe, and this is a this was a real thing when we were electing that guy. We were like, maybe the TV thing will go away when he really has the job. Like when we have the when we turn the TV off and he's just being president, he's not going to be like, "You're fired, you're fired." I'm a crazy, corrupt asshole. Yeah. And then he kept being that fucking guy, and it has real-world consequences. Absolutely. I I think that's the disconnect for me is, like, one of the reasons I don't enjoy it is because, A, I know it's fake. Yeah. Even before I worked on it, you know, to a large degree. And, B, I'm like, I don't don't find the amusement in watching people behave badly. Right. Like Jersey Shore. I've never seen an episode of it terrible because the whole vibe like even real world road rules like all these shows that were on when i was a kid mm-hmm. wasn't interested because i was like oh wow they're mean i don't like people yeah, are mean. Yeah, i'm like too much of a like little TV. sensitive kid i'm uh-huh. like i was the kid who was bullied so i watch a tv show full of bullies and i'm like that's terrible i don't like that no like i feel like... bad for the one they're picking on can we just yeah let you know let this guy out of the big brother house he's too nice give him all the money and let him out all these <laughs> other assholes 100 <laughs> yeah um it is crazy it's just it's a crazy world that we've created where we put so much on reality TV shows, like so much so that we voted one into presidency. Like, it's just insane. And I think we probably do give these reality stars a little bit more fame than maybe they should have, I guess, because some of them are famous for a lot of bad, bad reasons. Um but also you have to look at it as TV producers and things. They're like, well, that's ratings. Like that's, yeah, I know. you know, that's entertainment. Yeah, I know. It's really crazy. I'm one of those producers. Yep. It's really crazy. I, to I think absolutely about. get it. I mean, that's the cool part about my job. And people have asked me before, specifically in the business, like, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to be a showrunner, executive producer or something like that? 
And I don't know that I do because Mm -hmm. I don't know that I want to answer those emails and phone calls that are like, how come we got, you know, seven million viewers and not nine? And I'm like, because I don't care. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter to me. I'm just going to try to make the best show every week. And that's just what I'm going to do. And if they like it, cool. And if they don't, they should watch something else. Yeah. And if it gets to a point where we can't sustain our funding anymore because nobody's watching it, then fire me and get somebody else. Yeah. And people are, there's always going to be people who are watching it. And that's the cool part about being lower on the totem pole yeah you get to be like i don't know i did my job i pressed record this week and i fucking <laughs> turned in my cards yeah. and they, they made the show they made exactly um so let me flip it on the script then someone comes to you tomorrow and they're like we want to make the real dancers of north hollywood are you on that shit oh gosh Uh-oh. oh she's pretty and she's a dancer and 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 the that money's good what's up is really hard so i uh I mean, rent is hard to pay in LA. If the money is good enough, then maybe. But But you have to use your real name. Yeah, I just. This is going to sound weird. This is going to sound like a weird comparison. And when I make it, you're going to be like, all right, decision made. It's it's literally doing reality TV. It's kind of like making the decision to do porn a little bit because it's it's fucking you and it's exposing and it's out there. Mm -hmm. You can never not do it. Now, here's what's very interesting that I love. You watch Queer Eye at all? Yes, I love it. Me too. One of my favorite shows, mm-hmm. right? Karamo is yes. on Dancing with the Stars right now. Okay. So I've gone to chat with him a little bit. And this isn't even about me chatting with him. This is about information I found out that he didn't even tell me that I didn't know, which is like I've been watching him on Queer Eye now for what, like three or four seasons. Yeah. Motherfucker was on Real World. What? Yeah. In Philadelphia. I like didn't know the, that at in all. In like the late 90s, early 2000s say or when? some shit. So yeah. long ago. I want to say like probably 02, 04. I don't even remember. What? The dude did another legitimately trashy reality show. Right. And then went off and did different things. You know, he's had a a cool career. He's a great dude, by the way. Yeah. But the fact that we didn't, like, write him off as, oh, he's that guy. No one even knows that. I had no idea. Yeah, because it was back when, like, people didn't get super duper famous and doubled down uh, on that when they get off of it of, like, I'm going to be that guy. He went and did other things, and now he got rebooted in this thing. Which is ultimately better which is awesome and now he's on our show and he's having fun and it's you know he's getting to be the version of himself he made for queer eye not the version of himself that he was on produced to be on the real world so i had no idea so that being said you know would you do it is that was that a yes just because of the money you wouldn't do anything for the money i wouldn't do it just for the money but because you're never going to be able to walk around and not be that chick who was on that show after that Unless you like go in the dark for a few years and then come out and and you're on a totally different show and we're like, yeah, oh, you're, like, you're that person name. now. <laughs> but until you do something else to kind of rebrand you are, yourself, you're, you're going to be that person, even if only like 30,000 people in the country even know who you are. Yeah. That's a lot. It's hard. I mean, I've seen dancers do things like that left and right. For sure. I mean, even if it's not on TV, I've seen dancers do things for YouTube or just for, you know, other platforms besides just television. Where they have been on shows like that. And to be honest, none of them really take off. And I haven't seen a lot of them be very beneficial for a, people. Well, okay, so less of a trash reality, more of a competition reality. Like, so yeah, you think yeah. World of Dance. What about that for you? So have you thought about that? Have you- when I was in high school, I would have loved to have been on So You Think You Can Dance. I mean, I would have just it thought, it, yeah, all the time. I mean, I wouldn't miss an episode. And then I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. 
But now I don't think I would do it just because I think that shows like that kind of take the art of dance away. How do you and mean? Uh, to me, it's just you're a dancer. Let me just put something brand new onto your body every single week. You just go out and do it. To me, pretty much any good dancer can do that. Like any mm. good dancer that you cast can learn something new every single week and go and execute it. And I just think that it gives kind of a warped look into the world of dance. I'm no pun intended over world of dance. No, that was good. <laughs> but I just think it kind of takes the artistic side away from it. I'm going to give you a, just a little thing and you can do whatever you want with this. Never say no pun intended. Anytime you do one and you accidentally do it, instead of like being like, I didn't mean to be funny, just own it. Okay. That's like one of the things I've learned. A that's like, oh yeah, tip. no, it's just a little like conversational thing because people will give you so much credit if you just give them this like, little look, like yeah, I totally meant to do that, even if it was an accident. Oh, I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's like a free cheat, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, I stopped saying no pun intended like five or six years ago because every now and then I'd accidentally be funny and I'm like, what am I gonna cop out and be like, I'm not funny? Yeah, I made I made the joke, I intentional or not, I want the I credit. Yeah, no, it was good. Yeah, um, but speaking of world of dance, I right. actually was in a company. Um, last year I was, uh, in a contract with a company and we actually were requested to audition for world, world of dance mm -hmm. and we did. Mm -hmm. So that's great. But after we auditioned, they brought us all into, um, like a confessional type room mm -hmm. and they were digging so hard for sad sob stories right. so hard. And yep. I was just like, this is not dance. This is reality TV. A hundred percent. And you here's, know, and I here's think it takes the, away from it. I, I can totally see where that comes from. I will say that I think I think that one of the cool things about those shows. So let me give you an example, right? We just added two cast members to Dancing with the Stars on our pro dancer side. Uh-huh. Um, this guy Pasha and this chick Daniela. And they both did World of Dance. They're both like ballroom dancers. They're yeah. married, they're amazing. World of Dance, in a way, became part of their audition for Dancing with the Stars. Right. And then they did an audition for Dancing with the Stars, and then they got cast on that show. As a ballroom dancer specifically, obviously there's a bunch of styles. Ballroom's right. not like one of the things at NCSA that's a big deal. We took two weeks of it in drama and yeah. second year. <laughs> um, you know, but ballroom is a, is a niche. It's a style. It's a yeah. specific lane. And if you are a professional ballroom dancer, and that's what you've made your whole life about, being a pro on Dancing with the Stars is about the best fucking job you could get as far as exposure and money. Yes. If there Oh, yes, absolutely. Because you go on and you, you do the competition world, that circuit, right? And mm -hmm. you're doing that. It ends when it ends. Yeah. You know what I mean? You do it that week, you're that year, and you get the first the title. place, uh, Blackpool yeah. or whatever. It's like you walk away with that, and it's like, cool, you got now, what do you do? Right. Open a studio, teach other people because you can hang that oh. on the shelf in the front lobby. Like that's kind of the thing you do, right? It's much more lucrative of an option to do something like they did going from World of Dance to Dancing with the Stars. Absolutely. Right. And I am all about Dancing with the Stars. Julianne Hoff is like my all-time girl crush inspo. And Fair. that's where she was. She was on Dancing with the Stars yeah. for so long. Yeah. So I'm all about it. I guess I'm just saying like, I understand both sides because I'm yeah. like, I'm also like, I work in reality TV and I'm a theater director. So you talk about yeah. taking the art out of it and doing something more commercial, but it's like, can you, 
I think it's kind of a privileged position to say I just want to do it for art's sake because then you must be in a position to, to not have money. to provide for yourself based oh, on yeah. that work. Um, I love that. I really, there's a huge part of my brain and heart that's like, man, I wish I was just independently wealthy. I could just direct plays all the oh, time. Oh, absolutely. That, like, Everybody nobody would sees. love that. <laughs> um, yeah, that would be dope. But I, I it's, it's tough, right? But then again, I mm -hmm. work, I work in this world where like, I'm working with the top 1% of paid dancers, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. And they have a very different perspective on everything. And some of them are like 25 years old. Yeah, and even a well-paid dancer still isn't well-paid. Mm. It's just dancers are pretty much the bottom of the barrel. So even though I... Let's talk about that. Let's talk numbers a little bit because I don't know shit about this at all. Yeah, so I don't know specifically numbers but i do know it's just not it's for example if you go into a rehearsal say you're rehearsing for the vmas or something okay um you know a dancer might have a call time that's 8 a.m mm -hmm. they might not rehearse their three hour their three minute number until 9 p.m at night because they will always come last they will mm. always be the last thought. They will always come last. I can't tell you how many performances I've done where it's like, we need dancers and it's super last minute. And I'm like, okay, great. And you get there and the floor is just terrible or it's just not something that you can dance on. The floor is wet and you're dancing in heels. Mm -hmm. the, you're barefoot and the floor has nails sticking up. People just don't think about dancers and it goes into pay also and with what you were saying about the art form versus commercial. So I a thousand percent do both. I, because you have to as a dancer. As a dancer, the money is have, in commercial. You don't but, have to, but if you saying, want to, why do you to, have to do the art part? You, I think because you love it, honestly. So you want to, just because you want to, yeah. So because you, you want to, you could just to. make it as a commercial dancer and dance oh, for money. Oh, for sure, commercial sure. dance is where money is. But you can't do art by itself. So that's. I mean, that's, you can if you find it, but for me, I love company work. Mm. And company work is very underpaid, if paid at all. So like, I've, ballpark me something. Like how much? How much random company? I'm a job. I'm getting okay. a job at 22, right out of school. So random, small, small company. Maybe you have a, a couple rehearsals a week. Maybe that's twenty dollars a rehearsal. What? Yeah, yeah. And then maybe you have a performance, and it's fifty dollars a performance. Holy Whereas shit. commercial, right? You know, I could book something that's two weeks long and make three thousand dollars. Right, 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 right. So it's huge. Yeah, that's so. Massive. I think that people, when you do company work, I know, especially at UNCSA, we were completely prepared to know that, like, hey, you're not gonna make money in a company. You're not. Mm. And for me, I just love the environment of doing rep over and over again and like the process and just of being in a company and I would love to tour with the company. What do you think the answer is to that? Like so like how do we how do we get dancers more money? How do we get companies more money to spend right. on it? So, Are companies bringing in some money and keeping it all themselves not paying the dancers oh, I think or like some and I feel like you'd probably see that a lot in LA to be honest, but Sure. Yeah, there's different ways for people to go about getting grants, but I think but it's all it's, it's publicly funded. Then mostly it is, it is, or it's they're getting funding from the government. And the thing is, overseas dance is respected so much more, and those right. dancers are paid so much better. And that's well, no, why our you art have budget a, in general has been just cut over the past yeah. few years severely. But even before that, I feel like we're talking about like how much money were you making during Obama's years anyway? You know what I mean? Yeah. 
exactly. couldn't have been that much more. Yeah. But overseas, you see so many dancers go to Europe or go to just anywhere overseas because it's so much more respected and well-paid because they have government funding. People over there still go see live art. Right. And you don't see a lot of people over here going to see a lot of live art. It's a tough argument too, right? Because you got people, you know, running for president who are like, we need to spend, you know, all this money on health care. We need to spend all this money on a Green New Deal. We need to spend all this money on Planned Parenthood. And I agree with all that. But then mm -hmm. it's like, we also need ballet money. And people are like, oh, my God, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Like, how, yeah. I, like ballet money. We get, like, people dying because they can't That's afford absurd. insulin. Yeah. But it's like, sadly, it's just like the education thing. It's like you invest in these things. Yeah. And it comes back in dividends. Like, yes, I think there's a tremendous amount. Maybe that's what it is, too. Maybe. And I think this is definitely true. Maybe one of the reasons I. OK, just had Sierra Flood on the show. Mm hmm. She's doing a show downtown with the American Contemporary Ballet. I was like, I'm going to go check out this show we talked about. Yeah. I got psyched about it. The, like, cheapest ticket on a bar stool in the back of the house yeah. is, like, $45. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, uh, the ticket at the seat that I thought I would most want, which is not even, I'm not a front row guy. I just like right. the aisle. I like so, middle. I like middle aisle. You know, that's a like, decent seat. Yeah, that's yes. well, that's my favorite seat of all the ones. I want to be middle and I want to be right on the aisle. That uh -huh. ticket was like eighty dollars or yeah, some shit. Yeah, and I was like, of course people are gonna go see Endgame three or four times, and but instead of going to the ballet because a right there's a bajillion fucking commercials for mm -hmm. Endgame and it's this massive franchise that we've all gotten marketed. excited about and it's super well marketed and then there's this like legitimately the best seat in the house by their standard was over a hundred dollars to right. see a ballet and it's like okay we're never going to get audiences at these fucking things when yes. they're a hundred dollars plus right. I went to see John Mulaney at the Orpheum downtown mm -hmm. back of the house shittiest seat was thirty five dollars yeah yeah the thing is and they they have no public money helping them at, in the world of stand up. Right. I would imagine some ballet programs are bringing in a little bit of grant or or yeah, funding. Yeah, and you would hope so, but yeah. I'm sure that show and every show that most companies in well, not just LA, just most companies do, that's probably a massive income for them to put back into the company. Because no, but I'm that's sure, what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying is that, and to be fair, also, I was looking at the seat map. House is kind of small. That's the cool part about it. It looks like a it's very exclusive. intimate thing. And it's a burlesque yeah. kind of performance. So I'm like, that is much better. You know, I don't want to sit in the back of the house and watch a burlesque performance from the top of the yeah. Orpheum. I want to be on the floor with that, yeah. you know, and seeing it firsthand. Because that's the whole, I mean, and, you know. You want it to feel intimate. A hundred percent. Like an experience. Absolutely. Like, and I think even even Broadway mm -hmm. is so expensive. Yes. And it's so, And you can be so far away from the and stage. And you can be so far sitting behind a fucking pillar that's built into this place that you're like, why do they put a fucking seat behind this? There <laughs> yeah. never should have been a seat here in the first place. <laughs> you can't see. Yep. Um I remember specifically when we were designing stuff in like the Freedman or the Thrust as it was called at the time. Yeah. We we would be like, Yeah, just don't sit over there. Way we designed the show, that's not. Uh, that's we're just sorry. Not a yeah, good we're seat. sorry. Yeah, There's we a had seat dance there. performances in Friedman. A hundred percent. And you go to Broadway, and it's like they sell those fucking seats, and they're like a hundred dollars. And people pay for them, and they it's buy them. Crazy. Yeah, it's They'll, crazy. People will pay for Broadway. That's so. I guess that's what I'm kind of getting at. Is like, I wish there. I, I wish there was some magical other way to make it 
make it function a little differently because the cost of seeing live theater and live performances should obviously be a little higher. There are yeah. people fucking there. Yes. They're there. But it is high. It's yeah, a but very high cost. You know, it's not the same as going to a movie. You can make the movie yeah. and send it everywhere at once. It's literally cheaper to do that. I get that. Mm-hmm. But 160 bucks or whatever it was to go yeah. see fucking CeCe's Ballet, which I'm probably going to go and sit on a bar stool because I want to see the show. But it's like, right? yeah, that's a drag. It's like, I want, I want her to get paid more. I want more people at it. Yeah. And I don't know how to do that. And I feel like subsidy is the only way. Yeah, Yeah. someone has to believe in it and dump money into it, wanting to not get that much back in order for that to function. And the thing is, I'm sure just from firsthand from companies that I've done work with in L.A., there are people behind them that are like that. And they still have to right. charge those prices. They, I don't think know? they would exist if there weren't already people doing what, yeah, exactly what the fuck I impossible. just said. it would be impossible. Yeah, no, they wouldn't be living if like there weren't donors and even corporate sponsors yeah. and all that shit, which is great, but... Yep, I mean, every... I, I also feel like when... we made opera and ballet boring to everybody, and I don't know how we oh, fucked totally. that up <laughs> as a society. Like, at some point, those became the quintessential, like, lamest fucking thing you could do yeah, with a Friday night is go is to so a ballet strange. or go to an opera, and they can be great. Yeah, super entertaining. They're yeah. not, it's not like everyone there is 80 years old. They're made by young people who yeah, like what they're doing. Like, exactly. It's ah, just, such a drag. it's almost a little bit of, like, a dying art form. Yeah. It is. Just because, like, it's just not modern. It's a very traditional form, but I think that's what's so beautiful about it. But there are modern things. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, Well, I'm a contemporary dancer. I'm a modern dancer. So, yeah. Of course. I mean, I I totally see that, but also I respect, like, really traditional, like, ballet and opera. And I feel like it's really hard to get younger people who aren't immediately related to an art form to go out and see right. ballet or to go out and see an opera and i had to be tricked into liking it i should be fair yeah. and say that yeah. like well, when i was at, when i was at school and gerald was our teacher gerald made us write a paper every uh-huh. term for each of the things so you had to write an opera paper you had oh, to write wow. a ballet paper you had to write a live music That's performance awesome. paper and you had to write a paper on every single play the drama school did wow so you had to like go see everything we did mm-hmm. and one of everything else right you know it's weird so- he never made us write a paper about a movie we never oh, had to go really see. Funny. Yeah, it's kind of strange. Uh, we also had to go to a museum and write a paper about a piece of visual art. Right. Like, you know, and these weren't long, not like 30 page papers or anything like that. Just a write up, like a few pages about what your experience was engaging with the art. And I'm not going to lie, when it was like, you got to go see a ballet and you got to go see an opera, I was like, like, drag. Oh, no. Yeah, I grew up watching TV. <laughs> like, this is going to be lame. I have fucking blast yeah. at both. I yeah. went to fucking. Winter dance uh-huh. <laughs> at the Stevens Center and sat in the balcony it's and great. watched the whole thing and it was fucking dope. Like yeah. I got emotional. I was yeah. I'm sensitive and vulnerable when I go to the theater, whatever it's for. So I was open to it because that's just how I am. But I also like was cynical about it and like this is gonna be fucking lame, boring, or totally. you know just whatever you. And think. someone had yeah. literally it was like a puppy. Like he just had to rub my face in it a little bit to be yeah. like, okay, You're like hey, okay. this isn't so bad. Yeah, maybe I can sit through this. And then I started going because I wanted to, like fall yeah. dance the yeah. next year and like stuff. I was like, oh shit, I really think this is interesting. Like, and then this sometimes might be entertaining. And sometimes I walk away and be like, that was fucking lame. 
Oh, like well, now that I, I have a sensibility can, about dance, I'm even more yeah, like, yo, off time, yo. I know you yeah, can do it better. <laughs> I can watch things and be like, that was so boring. Especially now, I, I like work in competitive dance. I like oh, listen yeah, to Nigel Lithgow like, fucking tricks. tear people uh, apart. Too, oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. um, so now it's become fun for me. But I guess I wish that like it wasn't just, so hard to convert you. Yeah. Or like to like tell you well, to go. I, I feel like I'm more focused on what did what happened to these art forms in the last hundred years that kind of pre programmed me to need to be tricked yeah. out of it. Like yeah. one of the things I love um, to give shit about is uh, on the show Friends, which I fucking love. Uh-huh. Uh huh. They were always so mean to Ross for being legitimately interested in science, and yeah. anytime he brings up like anything having to do with science they're like they like fall asleep and make yeah. fun of him for being a nerd and i'm like when did we decide that it's fun to like demonize being smart yeah and make it like lame that you know things yes like you're not cool yeah yeah and it became like lame to want to go to an opera it became lame to want to like be kind to people when yeah. I was a little kid, I was like a nice kid, and I was such a loser because I was fucking nice. Because <laughs> you were not, nice to people, yeah, and not I a wasn't, bully. I wasn't finding ways to like put other people down because that wasn't fun for me. Yeah, and so that was like, I just remember him as like, man, that is the least cool thing you could do. Like people say, like nice guys finish last, right? Like right. it's not cool to be nice. It's like who came up with that? Yeah, fuck that. First of all, yeah, and I've that's said awful. it plenty of times because that's horse shit. But I'm just curious. Like, I think about that all the time. Like, what happened to opera? Did yeah. no one write any new ones for long enough that were like, first of all, Jesus Christ Superstar is a fucking opera. It's yeah. a rock opera, but we like to put that in its own category. That's a musical. Oh, that's like, modern. Yeah, yeah. That's, an, that's a fucking opera, just like any other yeah. opera is yeah. with no, you know, because it's not in Italian and it wasn't written 300 years ago. Yes, we don't consider and... it that. If it's not Nutcracker or Swan Lake, it's not a ballet. It's like, right. get the fuck out of here. Those are just the classics, but there's so much more to it. So what do you feel motivated to like, bring to people as a dancer like what do you what do you feel like other people might be getting out of what you're doing with your skill set for me you said you're teaching yes so that's part of it yeah so I, I am teaching but my my love is definitely in performance I love to perform for and sure. I just I just love to entertain people and whether that's with something very contemporary or very modern where it's almost creating like a world that the audience just gets to look into mm -hmm. and it's like a very internal performance or if it's something that's literally just for entertainment like very much like here I am flashy like I just love to perform and I love mm -hmm. to entertain and I think that's what do you have a I favorite love bringing to people yeah I apologize but do you do you have a favorite kind of reaction like, I think some people love to make people laugh. Some people love to shock people. Some people love to just get that look like, oh, my God, that's the most beautiful person I've ever seen. Like, right. those are all great feelings. But, like, do you have one in particular that, like, you're like, fuck, I want that one almost every time. Like, I'll keep doing everything. But right. I just want to keep feeling beautiful. I just want to keep feeling entertaining and energetic or shocking. Yeah, or so I would say just entertaining because there's been so many times where – I mean, like you were saying with stand-up a little bit uh -huh. before, how you have to read the room or you have, like, you can do the same thing in front of a different audience to get a totally different reaction. Back at school, some nights we would have performances, you know, like a week straight. And Tuesday night may be campus night. And so it's, like, the best the reaction. best thing in the world. Yes, the best. Everyone is so supportive. Everyone is just so here for what you're bringing. And then the next night might be just all 
sponsors who are like yep. 80 years old yep. and they just don't clap the people at who paid all. for your costumes yes. and shit yes we're like thank you so much yep but they like don't clap like you don't get uh-huh. anything from that audience and that's so hard so i think as any performer it's just so rewarding to get like a good reaction from an audience even if it's just like a great applause at the end I think that's just like that's kind of what we're all working for. It and sounds it's so like rewarding. it sounds like maybe the answer is whatever as long as there's energy behind it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you'll take whatever reaction as long as it's enthusiastic. Yeah, and I would be like great if an what if audience they fucking hated it. Hey, that's a strong reaction. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's a strong reaction. What if they, they hate it and they told you about like you got booed off the stage and stuff like that. You're, hey, we we affected them. Well, you know, it's so funny that or you say that. Or would you tear that. yourself my, up about it? Oh, no. My second year at school, we did a Merce Cunningham piece. Be- and it, oh, gosh, what was this one? Because we did a couple. It was Sound Dance. It the fuck is that? was, exactly. Okay, so it's a beautiful piece of work. Like, it's a classic. It's from the, one of the pioneers of modern dance, Merce Cunningham. But the entire track, the score of it, are like these crazy animal noises. Oh, and we shit. did it in Steven Center. Oh, shit. And everybody hated it. And I mean, I just thought it was hilarious, to be honest, because I knew it was goofy when I was doing it. Like my entrance in this dance, I like came out of a curtain hopping on one leg all the way around the stage. Like it was so crazy. My parents were like, what have we sent you to do? <laughs> but you Why know, did you make us watch that? Yeah, it was just so funny. They're, my parents are the best. They're so supportive. But they were like, that was a little weird. But everyone, like even my friends in dance were like, that was awful. <laughs> so I, I mean, love you the, get I, that. I love the giggle behind the that was awful. I believe well, you now when you tell funny. me that if they, if they got upset, you'd be legitimately yeah, like, I mean, cause pleased by it. The thing is, there's going to be someone else that loved it as much as another person hated it. Yeah. And with art, I don't think you do art for people to like it. And I think it's also, yeah, that's if you are and you're not fucking doing it right. I really think so. Um, yeah. Because it's not anymore. It's entertainment. Like as soon yeah. as you're doing it for people on purpose to like like and enjoy, you're yeah. trying to entertain them. Art has zero intention yeah, behind like, it of what they what want. This is what I want to put out. You take it however yep, you want to take it. 100%. And that's I like, love that. It's so, so important. It's so fucking key. Like you have to because that's first of all that's what pandering is. Like entertainment is a form of pandering. It's mm-hmm. saying like I think that you'll like this thing and I really hope that you do and validate you, me. Yeah. yeah, and if you don't, I will adjust it. Yeah. I will make a change to it in hopes that you will like it better. I consider stand-up in a way to be a cool blend of both because right. at the same time as me being like, look, this is my truth. I'm going to say what the fuck it is. If you don't like it, go fuck yourself. Right. That's only going to get me so far if they're not laughing. Yeah. Because if they don't, if they're not also, if I'm not adjusting it, because believe me, I've spent months and months of my life in LA going to open mics, specifically hosting one that I hosted for months every Sunday. And there are people who get up and they do the same fucking routine and Every nobody week. laughs and they don't make any changes. And they just keep like, I guess, hoping the right crowd's going to roll in who will dig it, which is yeah. fine. That's a fine way to spend your life. Do whatever you want. But if you want to start getting better at this thing, yeah. arguably, like you're going to have to start adjusting what you're putting out to see if people like it. Exactly. But I, but I think art in its truest form doesn't give a shit. Yeah. And that's another reason besides the like, 
that there's just better money in commercial dance. The reason why I like doing commercial and company work is because on the company side where it's a little bit more um, artistic, it is like that. It's like, this is the piece. This is what it is. Like we're putting it out there. Like you like it or you don't. And then commercial is like nine times out of 10, the crowd's going to like it because it's just created to be entertainment for a general audience. Right. So you get that satisfaction of, you know, the applause and things like that. So it's a good mix. You know what I think is, I, I just kind of was thinking about this as you just said that. I think this is where we fucked up. This is as media in a visual and audio way evolved in mm-hmm. television and film and all this kind of stuff that we can disseminate at mass and you don't have to be there. Yeah. Live performance fell behind a little bit because now all of a sudden we can all go see Marvel movies in the theater. So yeah. Robert Downey Jr. doesn't have to come to L.A. for me to see the show. So that happened. But I, here's what I think the live performance world is catching up but made a mistake for a while. Mm-hmm. They didn't realize that they could push out their content and their art the same way that the Marvel shit and the mainstream stuff and the TV and the, and the film is being pushed out. Yeah. We didn't choose to advertise or because we are like, what we're doing is special. If you know about it, yeah. you know about it. Right. Friends uh, and family. And yeah, we're in this town and we only care about the people in this town. Mm-hmm. Whereas there's a, I'm, I'm going to speak ignorantly about a company I don't really understand because I think it's my point. <laughs> It is. American Contemporary Ballet, where I, we were just talking about, uh-huh. is the one that Cece's at, a company I've never heard of in my life. I have some familiarity with ballet. I have some familiarity with dance. Not a lot. Right. I think there's value in them reaching out to customers like me because I'm not typically the person who might go see a dance show, but I'm super fucking open to it. Yeah. And if I heard about a really badass one, then you I would, would be go. inclined to go. And when, so let me bring this back. When we were at school, Gerald used to say all the time, we're not advertising these shows in town because they're not for them. They're for us to work. And we need some people to come yeah. so that you can get an idea of an audience. But we're not doing it for the audience. We're not doing it to make money. We're doing these plays so the fucking actors can learn how to do plays. That, yeah, that's that's yeah. why. So he never put any money into pushing out like the way we do with Nutcracker, Where it's which a is huge like huge marketing event. thing. And we make a big deal out of everybody coming to it. Yep. And honestly, in retrospect kind of think that was a mistake because I think it was a you know which is fine but it's like an old school mentality of like yeah but you also didn't teach any of these kids about marketing you taught them if you do the best work everyone's going to show the fuck up right false if they don't know it's happening about it then how are they going to be there and I think that's where you're starting to see things catch up where like all of a sudden you're seeing dance companies on Instagram you're starting to see them put out their fucking content and you'd be surprised how many people might drive from Palm Springs to downtown LA to see this inferno burlesque ballet what the fuck is that like caught my eye when I finally looked it up people will do it if they know about it I think the live performance world is held off with a little bit of elitism being like we're the real shit we're the real art the real fans of real art will show up. Oh, I could see that. I mean, I think there's definitely uh, just like a kind of spot of elitism and snobbiness to people in the arts. Like there definitely is. And then why do you end up with only 80-year-old donors on Friday night? Because they're the elite. 
Yeah. They're the ones who are like, or we're the real the art goers. Or the, aff- who can afford to your pay crazy $100 tickets. for a ticket. Yeah. Even though they're the one, they're the reasons the tickets are $100 and not $200 because they gave some fucking money yes, to the company. Yes, exactly. It's just, and they're probably watching the show for free anyway. Yeah, it's like a vicious cycle. It is a really horrible cycle and it's so hard to get out of, I think. I think people think if they put out their content at a really wide net that it, there's no value in that because those people are maybe too far away to come to the thing and you got to come to the thing to get to it. Yeah, but it takes one person to see it. And then when you find out you have this massive audience in Topeka, Kansas, maybe your fucking show goes there. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, that's why that's I how do tours should work. function. Like, I want to be on a tour. Like I could care less about being somewhere where we just perform one place. Yeah. Like I want to travel. Right. I think that's like one of the biggest reasons why I love company work like the company that I was with um just a year ago was out in LA and we did a lot of traveling and it was really really great we traveled to New York we did the Capizio Ace Awards which is in the dance world like very very um just really really awesome to do so that was wonderful and then we did a tour in Australia we went to Sydney Australia and we did like a week-long um series of shows which was amazing and to me that's just like that's so rewarding and that's so satisfying just to know that you're able to bring your artwork from los angeles california to somewhere else like on the opposite side of the world like australia and i think that's so so awesome and it's so fun that's a super common theme among dancers too they all want to travel in australia Right. You know, no one knew us there. They had no clue who They're we were. They're super artsy, though. Yeah, they are, but Australia, they wanted to come. Yeah, they got a big comedy scene, dancing, yeah, it was opera. Great. Like, literally, their most famous landmark is an opera house. Yeah. Like, the, you know, name yeah. a famous opera house in America. Oh. Right. You can't. Yeah, exactly. Exactly <laughs> I right. I think it's super interesting and telling about that. Um, I, yeah, I'm fascinated by the way that social media is evolving and stuff, and I've totally jumped off the bus of, like, demonizing it and saying, like, it's the reason for our problems. I'm so much more on the path of, like, it's kind of the coolest thing we've ever come up with, and I think if you are, A, using it right, it's a cool step, and then, B, I think it's just exposing us. Well, it's the new marketing. I mean, to me, well, I'm— But it's the new—it's not just the new marketing. It is 100%, but it's also the new everything. Like, if your if your thing that you do in real life doesn't exist on social media, it barely exists. It doesn't, and that's a super sad thing. But it's fucking true, and maybe it's yeah. not so sad because it means that finally things are democratized. And just because you're not friends with someone at Warner Brothers, you could get a fucking TV show off the air, like where somebody could just come across your page. Mm-hmm. I mean, I go to auditions all the time. Almost every audition that my agency sends me on. They ask for your Instagram handle when you sign in. How does that make you feel? It's not, honestly, it's not the best feeling because in entertainment, so much of it is based on, well, you know, it's between these two dancers. This girl is a much better dancer than this other one, but the other one has, you know, 50K followers and this one has 10. So we're going to go with the girl who's going to have more following even if she's not as talented what does that lead you to do in your own social media i mean it just encourages you and motivates you to really put yourself out there more so what when did that shift happen for you and how did it change the way that you were putting yourself out there 
Like, when did you realize that was what was up? Like, at some point, you were just a girl in school posting on your Instagram because you were at fucking school and be like, hey, I'm with my friends. What's up? Like, yeah, this is just fun. Yeah. And then at some point, you became a professional dancer working mm-hmm. in the professional world. So, like, when did you clock that? And then what yeah. did you start doing differently? I think my biggest realization about it was when I did sign to my agency over a little over a year ago now and I started going to these auditions that were asking for your Instagram and I was like wow like this is what casting directors are looking for this is what they're looking at this is their perception of you Mm -hmm. so it just showed me the importance of being able to really you're almost using it as your resume Mm. like they're going to look at your resume sure but also they're going to go to your page it's like if they're casting you they have so much more than just your headshot more than the one headshot that you bring to them you know yeah they, they can they see want to you find in different ways into it, but, yeah variety but, so this is what's interesting to me because i think that might be true i think um i hear that a lot mm-hmm. but i've also heard from people on the other side of things who work in casting who mm-hmm. work in this who who are like that's a fucking myth we may look it up but that doesn't mean that if we the scenario that you laid out would necessarily work out that way that they right. would end They're up not picking someone who's worse for sure. Um, and I, well, and I say that it's important to point that out that they're not all that way because for anyone listening to this or even for you, it's like, well, that should be that should be different. Like that should make a difference in the way that you do it because if they're all that way, right, you should be functioning a certain way on those social media sites. If some of them are that way, and we can all agree that the shittier ones are that way, right then we don't need to cater to them and no. we can be ourselves and let those people fall the fuck off. Because oh, yeah, it's and like, I still am. I mean, you can go to my Instagram page right now and, like, my last dance video that I posted was probably months ago. I feel like I've, I when I glance at your stuff and I follow you for, like, a little bit because that's yeah. kind of how I reached out to you to come right. do this. Um, it feels very fitness-oriented. It doesn't yeah. feel as much dance-oriented. Yeah. Is that a new thing for you? Um, somewhat. Not fitness, so, but, like, so putting recently, yourself out there that way. So recently, I just have been certified as a um, certified personal trainer. Okay. So I am trying to grow my own personal training business. So if anybody needs a personal trainer. Why would you be more quiet as you try to sell yourself? You notice she did that? (laughs) She was like, I don't want to boldly and loudly sell my stuff, but maybe just meekly if someone would DM me (laughs) and ask me to train them, it would be great. So Are I'm, you a good personal trainer? Yeah, I Can am. everyone uh, fucking DM Caitlin and have her come make you ripped or whatever the fuck it is you want? Get the perfect ass or arms or whatever. I will. She's your I'll girl. do it. I'll do it. I am. I'm your girl. I'll do it. So she's your woman. I apologize. I shouldn't have yes, said girl. That's true. I fixed it. But yeah, so <laughs> the thing is with dance and fitness, they just they align so well that I feel like it's all just about your body. Like dancing mm. is all about using your body. Fitness is all about using your body and like your performance. And I just feel like they align so closely together that I can air more on the side of dance one week on my Instagram. And then I can air more on the side of fitness one week on my Instagram. And they kind of just can like mesh together, which is ultimately why I decided to pair my dance career with personal training it's just I've always been super into fitness and I grew up with a personal trainer who helped me immensely with dance Mm -hmm. like we would do a lot of cross training and that's something I'm really passionate about I think that if you are a dancer you need to be doing the proper things and taking the precautions to strengthen your body so that you can have a long-lasting career Mm -hmm. um so it's just been something that's always been super important to me and that I've just been really active in. So it just aligned really nicely for me to get my 
training certification. Cassie, you kind of a tough question? Yeah, of course. You lose your legs next week. Some crazy thing happens where your body that you just put so much emphasis on, and I think rightly so, as a dancer mm-hmm. and fitness person, you're fucking right. Right. What happens if you're hit by a bus, you live, yeah. but you're not left with like the smoking dancer body anymore? Like, what do you do? Yeah. What, what is that, your world full of in that? That would be absolutely terrible, but I don't think that my world would change that much. You know, I don't, I'm still going to be passionate about the same things. And I don't think... I don't think it's going to get in your fucking way in the world of you being happy and successful. I can tell that about you. But I'm curious like how it would change. Yeah, because I think about like what would happen if I lost my vocal cords next week. Yeah, I talk. That's what I'm good at. It's what I built my world around. I think about like there are days when I'm like if I woke up and I lost my voice, would I still be able to do my life? Yeah. What would I? What would what be would different? You do what would instead? Or because I'm gonna cope. I'm not just gonna roll over and die. I'm not that kind of person. Neither are you. Clearly, right? So right. like, or you know, third degree burns all over you, or some crazy shit Something where it's like, insane. yes, like basically selling yourself as this like well-made body that knows how to do things, right? Who's also very smart. But that's not like the prime first part of what you're selling. You're selling like my body works great. Right. As a dancer or fitness, you're like, that's what, that's the sell. Yeah, it's like, it look, is. I know how to move mm-hmm. and I know how to keep this machine functioning well. And if right. you want to learn how to do those things, I can teach you. But if those two things weren't true anymore. Yeah. What do you think? Would you would you still be speaking about those things and being like, look, I'm no longer dot 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 or able to dance in the same way. But would you still be teaching dance? Would you? What do you? I mean, it's yeah, a guess. I mean, obviously, it would, it would make things so hard. Yeah, obviously, it's a really tough question, and I wouldn't know unless I was actually in a situation like that what I would do. Great fucking answer. But uh, that's always the first correct answer. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, my passion about things wouldn't change, and I would definitely want to continue to, you know, like share my story. And if this had happened to me, um. Got your reality world of dance story now. Oh, oh, yeah. Right? Oh, oh, yeah. I just become like a master tut like person. A, yeah. Like, I just go. start going crazy. Like, hey, there you go. Stuff. That's, that's yeah, a great you know? answer. You're like, I, I just use have my some really fingers. banging arms. Yeah, like, exactly. I just work my arms out like crazy. Because, if you take like, my <laughs> arms and my legs, I'll be the best face dancer on the planet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I'll I do. I'll have the best facials. <laughs> Fucking love that. But yeah, it would be so tough. Like, I don't even know. And plus, like, dance has pretty much just been, like, my entire life since I was three, which I feel like is um, pretty similar for a lot of dancers. Sure. Most dancers I know, it's like, when did you start dancing? We always say, I was three. In the womb. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, dancing around that uterus. Yeah, I mean, dance is, and we touched on this a tiny bit earlier. I think you said something about, you know, just you kind of, like, spend your whole life, like, preparing for this. Right. Um, and as a dancer, I think that's so true. Like there's just been so many sacrifices that I've made growing up to just do dance because growing up, like I just always wanted to do, if I was doing something, I wanted to be like the best at it. Mm. So I was always really good in school and I wanted to be the best in school. Like I remember in college, all the dancers, we all had to take anatomy and it was, like, the hardest class. It was very hard. Like, people say that art school doesn't have hard academics, but this was a hard academic. Yeah. And if my paper, our, our professor, he would write on your paper if you got the highest score on a test. If my paper said was second highest score? highest score, I was, like, really upset. 
I was looking at other people's paper to see who Type beat me. Type A. To see who got the highest score above me. I was like, a 100? No, I want the 101. Like, oh that's not God. good. So I was always a little crazy like that. So I danced and I was like, I always like had to like strive for more. Like, I remember people in my class when I was growing up laughing at me and almost like making fun of me because we would go to conventions and I would see people there who were doing different things like new moves that I had never seen before and I would go back to our dance studio and try to learn them and they would almost kind of like laugh at me right for trying to do it and I was like whatever you guys are just gonna suck and I'm gonna know how to do it so yeah it's fine um, that's called ambition Anyway, uh, we were talking about how you're type A and result-oriented, and you yes. always have to win. Yes, and, uh, very much so. And so you're coming to terms with that? You're still struggling with that? Because that sounds like a fucking nightmare to me. Oh, I'm the no, opposite. that's just, that's just, I thrive off Second of that. Second place is my favorite thing. Oh, no. Uh, your face just kind of like second glitched place is as the I, first to lose. No way. Second <laughs> place. Second place gets all the benefit and none of the spotlight with hey, people fucking okay. coming at him. I feel that unless something happens to the first place person. And then your first and place. And then your first place. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I what I uh, my best friend growing up who's I've talked about on the show plenty of times and hasn't done it yet. Um, my best friend Brandon was a very competitive kid. Yes. Like he was my best friend since fifth grade and he was like diehard competitive no matter what we did, video games, board games, he had to fucking win. Yes. And I wasn't like that. And so it was awesome because when we would play a, a game with a big group of people, all I had to do was fucking make sure that I didn't piss him off. Like all I had oh, to that's do. that's so funny. Yeah. All I had to do. So here's what I would do. We would play Risk, right? Uh-huh. Do you know the game Risk at no, all? No, I don't know that. What okay, is this that? is very simple. So it's a board game with a map of the world. Okay. And you start off with different pieces in different countries, and you, like, roll dice to fight each other, and then you try to take over the world. Oh, wow. So you try to, like, have your pieces on every country. And you only have so many, and your army grows as you take over more countries. You get more pieces. Oh, cool. And so it's like everybody ends up kind of randomly thrown on the map in the beginning. You kind of get to stake out an area. Yeah. And then you try to, like... Take, take over, over the, the world. world. Exactly. <laughs> the game of global domination, I believe it's called. And um, he was fucking awesome at it. Like, <laughs> like brutally, scarily, like dictator, like fascistly good at it. Right. Like he would find a way and he would like make fake alliances with people and then break them. And then like, yeah, brutally competitive. What I would do is I would stake out Australia. And I would just slowly build up Australia, which is kind of like a corner of the map that you can't say, fucking get to. Yeah. Because you can only get to it through fucking, uh, like, uh, Southern Asia. You can't get to it from, like, North America at all. Yeah. So I would just build up and build up and have this massive thing. And he would obliterate everybody. And then exactly. if he ever tried to come my way, I would just knock out that one, like, you know. Yeah. It's kind of like a in like infinity war when they break the wall in wakanda it's like you can fight that one little area when they're only breaking through that one little area it's like bottlenecking him and so i'd like bottleneck him or anyone else who would try to come fuck with me in australia outlast yeah. everybody else eventually he'd control the entire world except australia and then he would come destroy me all i had to do is stay out of the way and be second place that became my strategy for like the rest of my life you were like i can deal with this i don't need to be the best 
all I need to do is be the second best or just be <laughs> just be valuable enough that yes, people so. don't because no one ever turned their sights on me. They're never like, oh, They're, that asshole in Australia is going to take us. No, he's yeah, hard. Leave him over there. He's harmless. He gets to survive. Like, that'd be my apocalypse you strategy. You just go, like, under the radar. A hundred percent. I find the strongest, baddest bitch on the planet, and I hide behind them, and I let them do all the work. Yeah. And, and then, then and you I just ma- let them beat you. I make, them, end, I make <laughs> myself invaluable to them. Because you know what? He never had to worry about getting Australia. Yeah, because he knew. Because wow. he knew it was That's in the a bank good for him. Strategy. I'm telling I you. I can respect that. I just did a podcast the other day, not this one, but a, a friend of mine, uh, Erickson, a uh, comedian that I know out here does a podcast, and we were talking about it. And I was like, "That's one of the things that I find very interesting is I have continued to surround myself with hardcore craftsmen. Yeah, actors, you know, dancers, musicians, filmmakers, people who are trying really fucking hard to be the best." They just like and yeah. I've and I've got myself into circles with the best. Like some of the best, you know, I went to one of the best schools. I, I work right. in some of the best shows. Like I know some of the best ballroom dancers in the world. Like yeah. I know people who were like, I'm gonna fucking be the best, period. Yeah. And the more time I spend with people like that, the more it reflects back to me that I don't need that. Yeah. And I don't have that like connection. I'm and then I bounce between like I love being second place and then I'm like I'm a little jealous because I've spent a lot of time becoming second place at a lot of things right. that I've never spent all my focus and time to become best at anything because it's also a safer road because you never get upset. Yes. You're never like, oh, fuck, I got second. Like, you know, you, you, even if I get third, I'm like, oh, it's a drag. I was pretty close to second, though. Right. If you don't get 101 on that fucking test. Oh, it's it's like a day for you. Maybe a few days. Well, it's just motivation that the next test will be mine. Does the <laughs> does the does the like fire come out at yourself or to the people who got fucking first? How much do you hold it Definitely against the people who me. beat you, and then no. how much do you beat yourself up? Uh, I would say as I've gotten older, and especially since I've graduated, I'm not nearly as much like I have to be the best because I've realized. That, like, everybody is good at their own certain thing. So, like, every single person is the best at a, one specific thing. That's, like, very unique to them. But it sounds lame, but it's, like, you'll only ever be say, best at dancing like Caitlyn. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what you're figuring exactly. out. You know, I'm not going to try to go out there and I'm, like, 5'2". I'm not going to try to go out there and have legs as long as somebody who's six foot. Yeah, you'd you probably know? fail. It, I would absolutely fail. <laughs> like, I wouldn't even feel bad about it. I would just be like, this is what it is. But, um, yeah, I just think, I don't know. I just think you need to know, like, your limits. But also, I, like, I'm very realistic. Like, when I try to be the best, it's like, I realistically think I can do it. So I'm like, I'm very... You're not fake it till you make it. You're fucking no. make it till you make it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like a thousand percent. But I do think... Uh, Where does that come from? How do you just fucking know you're the best before you've done it? Well, or that you, you how do you know you could be you the best before you've done it? I just know myself that like I'll just work at it until I am. Like I will like bust my butt. Do you look at a field before you enter it and go, oh, I'm better than this. I could do this. Or, or is it, oh, I saw on your face a little bit. No. Zero percent? You look at the field that you're entering of how good those people are, and you're like, I, I exist on this spectrum in this way. Like, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes you, 
let's say you're going to enter a fucking film festival and you make a movie and you go the year before you're going to enter it and watch all the movies and they all suck and you're like, oh, I'm oh, totally looking at my competition. Yeah. That's what I'm asking you. Oh, yeah. How much do you look at the field and you're like, oh, my God, I'm going to crush this? Well, I don't. You don't want it. You may not want to say it, but how much way, do you feel it? Well, I don't look at things in a way that's like I can be better than these people. Like, I don't look at it like that. Like, to okay. me, it's not about comparing myself to, like, who is the best at that point. It's just, like, I look at what is possible and know that, like, this person is doing it, so it's possible for me to do it, too. So I don't have any, like, resentment toward whoever might be, like, you know, the best at, like, this certain specific thing. But I just look at it like I can do that, too, because they're mm. doing it. You know, and like that's what pushes me. Like I never like went into anything thinking like, oh, like I can definitely be the best at this. I just if I started something, I was going to be the best at it. Yeah, that I could be. No, I think I understand what you're getting at. And I'm it's tough, right? Because I don't do that either. Like I don't know until I'm literally doing it alongside other people whether or not I'm any better at it. I And even now. So like on this show that I work on, I think I can say this. I'm an associate producer. Mm-hmm. There are four other associate producers who work in the field with me that do the exact same job at the exact same level. Beca- yeah. Because we do the same thing, I don't work with them. Yeah. Like, we don't get assigned to the same thing because they only need one of us there. Right. So I don't actually know if I'm any better than the other people that are on my level because I don't, you know, they don't, I don't sit in the edit bay for the stuff that they shot or produced and see yeah. if it's any good. All I hear are what other people say about them. Right. That is what holds weight in my head is what is what are your fucking Yelp reviews from the other people <laughs> we work with? Are you a one star dude or are you a five star dude? Yeah. Um, and I think that, first of all, I don't worry too much about it because, like you said, there are five of us. We could all be five star dudes. We could have a one star dude and a two star dude. Yeah. And a five. I know I'm fucking five stars, four and a half, because I'm not perfect. I will give myself a little bit. Right. But I'm good. Like, I know I don't and I don't need to say I'm not good to, like, follow whatever fucking rules people have about being humble or whatever. I will be super humble about the shit I don't know. But I know the shit I do know. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. And that's kind of. And you feel like that vibe, too. You've worked to know the things that you know. That's what I'm saying. It's not from and it's not just from the general feeling of whatever hard work is like it's results. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I submit my fucking footage with everybody else's, and mine ends up on TV. Yes. If it, you know, it's like, if you write for a late night show, and you never get a fucking joke on, it doesn't mean you're a bad writer, but it does mean that there's something not clicking in the way people value what you have. Yeah. And I think that you kind of see that whatever you're bringing to the table is five stars, if that's what people want, and if they don't want it, then you should go get somebody else. You don't seem like the kind of person who's going to adapt any more than you must. uh, Yeah, I will. Like, if I go to an audition, and also just being in L.A. has made me realize things. Like, you can – every the thing is, when you go to an audition in L.A., every dancer there is talented. We can all do the same things. We can all do, you know, the high kicks and, like, Mm -hmm. just whatever. We all can do that. But it depends on what the casting director wants. Mm. So, you know, if they cast someone like right next to me and not me, I'm like, well, that's totally fine. However, if I go in and they cast a 5'2 blonde girl who's not me, 
I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. what do I need to work on? Yeah. Because that's like, we're the same, you know, type of person that they're going to cast. Like, what do I need to work on? But I'm totally fine with being like, I am what I am. Like, I can't yeah. change myself. And I wish people that's could. Just it. That's great. And I think you probably have a fair amount of people who work alongside you who hopefully feel the same way and can recognize like you'll you bring into the table what you bring and they like it or they don't yeah i wish more people would think about relationships that way yeah you know what i mean Mm -hmm. which is like i so often find myself like attracted to someone or i meet someone i click with and then i meet either who they're with or who they've been with and i'm like oh i don't stand a chance yeah and it's not because i'm less than it's because I'm not that. It's because so, you're so different. Yeah, yeah. Dramatically. Like in the joke I used to say is like, you ever get super into somebody and then you meet the person they're with and you realize that you have no shot ever because they're into ugly people? <laughs> oh my god! I know. Uh, that's, that's the mean, silly version, <laughs> jokey version of the truth, which is like, I have plenty of times been like, oh, I think I would be a good fit for this person and they'd yeah. be a good fit for me. And then I see what they're doing in that department. I'm like, oh, no way. Yeah. You would hate being with me. Because you love of to go. What you're yeah. Like, you like to go or... out to bars and stuff. Yeah. I don't like doing that. And you, with this dude who I, maybe I think I'm better looking than him, but that doesn't matter because yeah. he likes to go to bars with you. And I'm never going to go to bars with you ever. Yeah. I'm not going to. Like, it's just not. Yeah. And you don't want to have to change yourself if it's, if you I don't want to have strongly... to and I refuse to. Yeah. And you shouldn't have yeah, to. Yeah. Of course. That's what I'm saying is like, yeah. you bring yourself as a dancer into these auditions. Yeah. And you're like, look, this is just who yeah. Caitlin is, period. Like, as long you as, want it or you don't. Yeah. As long as I can walk away from a, whether or not I book an audition, I mean, obviously, you want to book it. Sure. And it's wonderful to book it. Until you get in there and it finds out they're picking people based on Instagrams. You're like, fuck this place. Yeah, that's so, <laughs> so relevant. But it's okay where they're like, well, this girl was just really hot. Like, so like, let's cast dope. her. But that's show business, you know? That's LA. Yeah, but, and but I, like, it's I not hope, a good thing. I hope no but... one, including you, takes any disrespect by this. You're really hot. So, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it's, what? That No, I say this objectively as someone right. who knows he's like a six and a half. That's not a 10. No, no, no. Uh, it's not a 10, but it's not a four. Like you got to fucking know what you're walking into. And if you yeah. walk into some place and you're like, oh, they picked this chick because she's really hot. Well, she must have something else too. Or they're looking for a specific kind of hotness because it's not yeah. like you're not bringing that to the table. You're right. not some great everyone, dancer who's hard to look at. It's Everyone is so different. You just don't know what anyone Once. is looking for. Exactly. or what they're, what they're like trying to look to replace a very specific person. Yeah. I've gone to so many auditions where I have been like personally selected by my headshot and I get there and they're like, we're not casting blondes. And I'm like, did you see my headshot? You're like, that's all you knew about because me. Because <laughs> my, my hair has never not been blonde. And my mom's like, you know, you could just dye your hair brown. And I was, I'm like, no, I, I'm not a brunette. I if once, they don't want me at blonde, they don't get me at all. <laughs> so I worked on the season 15 of So You Think You Can Dance. Uh-huh. And then I didn't get called for season 16 and I was all bummed. Because yeah. I saw it start up and I didn't. And then I saw a picture of their producing team. Uh-huh. And it changed a little bit later when the live show happened and they added some more people. Every one of them was a chick. And yeah. And they all kind of, not only were they a chick, and I say this way, and I, anyone listening who's going to give me shit, I said chick for a long time. And I mean a lot of respect with chicks. So don't give me a hard time. But fucking all these chicks who I mostly knew and respected 
all also kind of had the same vibe. And when I did work on the show and they worked on the show, plus yeah. they added some more, I didn't really click with that vibe. Yeah. So it didn't hurt my feelings. So I was like, oh, I'm not what they're looking for. Yeah. Because no one else they picked is like me at all. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I'm just not what they wanted. You know, it's like finding out that someone you're attracted to is gay. You're like, good luck. Yeah. That they don't want you. No, it's not no personal. hard feelings. Yeah, do like, not it's get fine. upset because they're not into you because they literally can't be yeah. chemical. And it can be that way all the way down to fucking auditions. I like, think that's such a big thing for people to learn, like whether you're in dance or acting or anything. For sure this anything. applies to acting. Oh my maybe gosh. even more. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like with dance, you might get it in your head that like everyone needs to be super flexible and super hot. And like if, at very least, we need to bring those two things to the table. With yeah. acting, it could be anything. They could want hideous anything. people. Yeah. They could want ugly ass people for this fucking movie and you're just too good looking. Are you going to go mean, beat yourself up about that? Honestly, what a compliment. I'll that take would be. it. <laughs> right? I'll take it 100%. Yeah. Like, and I think that's something so hard. Some people like... want more diversity and I'm you and I are not what they're going to fucking get. Oh, if you I, want I to cast diversity, like that we're out. all the time, and I'm that's like, okay. I'm a blonde-headed white girl. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> like they don't want me, and that's fine. You know, you just have to like know that not everything is based off of your talent. Which hearing it like that kind of sucks. It's like, well, but I've worked so hard to be so good at what I do, talent-wise. But that's just the reality of like working in this industry. You know what I think is is fucking real is like no level of talent is ever going to be enough. Oh, You no. can't just bring you're, that. And you're never going to know all of it either. You could be the fucking best, which is impossible, but you mm -hmm. could be the best, have the best extension, longest legs, be six feet yeah, tall, whatever the fuck exactly. your idea of perfection is. And if that's all you brought to the table and you weren't also like nice to them in the fucking audition room, yeah. if you weren't like pleasant to show up and rehearse with every day, if you weren't fill in the blank maybe they do care about instagram or maybe they do care about your nutrition because they're like look we don't want to cast someone unhealthy and have to replace them yeah. whatever the thing is like you're never going to be able to put all of your eggs in one basket mm -hmm. and that be a heavy enough basket for everybody like it just doesn't oh, work yeah. that way and i think that recognizing what you do bring to the table that other people can't like you cannot not be white Caitlin, oh. you can't do it. You could try as hard as you want, and that would be even worse. Oh, oh. And <laughs> I, I have gone to auditions where girls, white girls, have told the directors that they will self-tan themselves. And I'm like, I think that's kind of offensive, actually. There's no kind of about it that's super offensive. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to say that. There's Yeah, that's absolutely <laughs> foolish. And here's what the other problem is. Like, you know, like, like I said, I work in, in comedy and I'm a straight white dude and straight white dudes love to get on the mic and talk about how hard it is to be a straight white dude, historically the easiest person to be in history. Uh -huh. And that comes from a place of, first of all, everybody starts it in their own yard, right? And the grass is always greener. So you're never yeah. looking behind your house. Most people are looking in front of their house at the other grass. Yeah. They're not seeing the fact that there are people behind your house in the field in tents. <laughs> you know, you're thinking yeah. about how I've got a house and it's not as nice as that one. But also because it's like, if the world is begging for like more diverse comedy, you know, and the world is saying, I want to hear comedy from women. I want to hear comedy from yeah. people who aren't straight. I want to hear comedy from people who aren't white. Yeah. First of all, 
that's them. And why are you letting that piss you off? Because you know what? You're still going to get like four out of the 10 jobs, just oh, not eight yeah. out of the 10 jobs like you yeah. used to. This idea that like because we're not diverse or we're not whatever people are hungry for in this moment, mm-hmm. that uh, now it's not fair anymore. No. Everyone wants to think they're entitled to everything. shit. Everything. There's an audience for absolutely everything, no matter what you are. Like there is an audience for like the most specific type of person. So you just have to seen find that show it. Euphoria? Yes. Oh, man. Yeah. When the one chick goes on like Pornhub and finds out she's like so many people's fantasy and she thought she was like ugly and like fat. Like no one? Yeah. Yeah. There's something for everybody. I wish I could just show that clip and like the right montage of that storyline to people. Yeah. And be like, do you get from like the most like deformed people to what you think is the hottest person on the planet? Yeah. There is a fucking audience for you. Yes. In, in just that context, in just a sexual romantic context, like mm-hmm. someone out there thinks you're the hottest person in the world. Oh, yeah. Whoever's listening to this. Now, to be fair, it's a lot of school of the arts people, so that might actually be true. But no, I'm fucking joking. <laughs> I'm joking. So, um, but I but I mean that. And I think there's, but it's not just physical attractiveness. It's your yeah. brain. It's your there's words. There's so much that, that goes yeah. into it. Yeah. We, there's an audience for you. And I think that if people are squalor, like, just like rolling in squalor being like no one likes what I'm putting out into the world it's simply that the right people haven't found it yet yeah so you got to put out more and you got to put it out more often and make sure more people are seeing it yep you just have to put yourself out there it's so much of it is about that and someone will find you or if like no one doesn't and I'm not talking about like romantically like somebody will find you like not that that could be true but too. I mean it totally can but career wise like you just you can't give up like you just have to keep kind of going for well, it and what I love is that we as Americans are moving a little bit very there's a lot of resistance a lot of tension but there is this impulse to move away from defining ourselves by what mm-hmm. we do for money yeah like the first thing we ask at a party right oh hey what's your name Caitlin cool what do you do yeah how do you pay your bills is our first question for me to define who you are as a fucking human. Yep. And it's funny because it's like, what do you do? We don't have to answer with what you do to make money. But that's what the question is. And that's what the answers are. Because it's funny because those words could mean lots of stuff. What do you do? I like to read. Yeah, I like to, you know, I could just talk to you about yeah. the things I like to spend my time doing. But I know what you mean. Yeah. And I know the answer that I should give work. is what is my job? Yeah. What role do I have? in American capitalism so that can give me value and what if I don't have an answer to that or what if the thing that I say doesn't bring in a lot of money or isn't glamorous now it's like my self-worth is immediately tied to that everywhere I go yep I'm excited because I think we're moving away from that a little bit we're not excited about it but I think we're moving away from it yeah well it's not everything it isn't, but in America, it fucking has been for like right, ever. and it's a lot of people's first impression of you of because course. it's their first question. Well, and it allows them to put you in a box and go, "Oh, I don't have to think anymore about Caitlyn. She's a dancer." Right. Like I don't have to worry more. I don't have to worry about the fact that she's actually an intellectual person who likes to listen to true crime and like is super smart and type A and nice, you know, likes fucking math. Yeah, <laughs> that's not gonna come up. After you're like, I'm Caitlin, I'm a dancer. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, gonna be like, you. oh, like you're probably stupid. Yeah, she's probably, she's <laughs> like probably, an airhead. Yeah. Yeah, or whatever their thing is. Or even if they're more forgiving and they're like, she's probably not a super intellectual person, you know? She's probably like really emotional really physical. and really physical. And she like, you know, likes to express herself with her body and probably limited vocabulary, like all these unfair things that are right. totally not true about you. First of all, that's the point of this fucking show. So thank you guys for listening to it. Um, 
I love that we're trying so hard to like find new ways to define ourselves. You know, it's like we're not even sure about gender anymore. Right. Things are, and this is, we talk about this on the show all the time. I love this. We're moving out of this binary world. Like our human brains want to go yin and yang, black and white, night and day. Put mm-hmm. it in two categories I can understand super clearly that are opposite of each other. Everything. Like, are you going to, when you get out of school, or, you know, and you like to fucking act, are you going to go act or you're going to be a fucking theater teacher? Those are your two choices. You can yeah. teach or you can perform. You want to be a dancer? Are you going to teach dance or are you going to perform dance? Those are your two fucking choices. You can't do both. Yep, it's that's black it. and white. Oh my God, what a fucking trap. It's like a nightmare. It's yeah. like this. And then you get out and if anybody's anybody and paying attention, you're like, oh my God, there's so much gray. Yes. I could teach three days a week, perform four days a week. I could teach two days a week. I could never teach and never perform and still be a dancer. Oh, what would that yeah. mean? Yeah. And I see that a lot too. Like I see people who just take class. Yeah. Like they just take class. And I'm like, wow. Like honestly, that is so refreshing because it's not what I'm doing, right. but it's what they're doing. And it's so Like I want to be a pilot at some point in my life. That's I've awesome. wanted to do it forever. I cannot imagine a world where I will ever get paid. To be a fucking pilot, but I want to learn how to do it just because yeah, I want to know how to, yeah, just to know how to fucking do it. And at some point in my life, I'd like to be in a place where people are like, "Well, Rob, what do you do?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm this, I'm that, I'm a pilot." And inevitably, there'll be someone who's like, "Oh, cool, like you do like commercial flights, or like what do you mean, like you're yeah. a pilot, you're a private pilot?" Like, no, I just like to fly. Like yeah. it's not. I don't do it. Yeah, no one pays job. me to do it, you're, but I like to. You do didn't it. ask me what my job was. You asked me what did I do. Yeah. And now I've given you that answer. And your question is like, that's not what you do for a living. It's like, well, that wasn't your fucking question. Well, it's like when you tell people you're a dancer and they're like, oh, how does that work? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm not sure. I'll tell you when I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's like the honest answer. But sure. yeah, it's definitely like a reaction. It's like, oh, so what do you mean? Like, and I'm like, I'm a professional dancer. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> And they're looking for a way to mitigate it or for it to be yes, like, and they're, they're waiting for, for you to, be, to like, be like, I actually bartend like six days a week and then I dance on Sunday nights. Yeah. And they're like, oh, wait, you mean you dance every day and that's how you make your money? What do you, I don't get it. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's so hard. Well, it's not conventional. It's definitely not conventional. And mm-hmm. I'm, I, I feel like anybody who is able to do an art form like this, even other than dance, and have been able to pursue that as a career I think that they're just so lucky like I'm so lucky that my parents were always so supportive of me yeah super fucking lucky this route and it's so funny so I was I was a transfer to school of the arts cool so from where I graduated high school 2011 and I didn't get to UNCSA until 2013 I love that so I had I went to three different places before I found School of the Arts. So when I first graduated, I went to UNC Greensboro. Nice. Yeah. And I was a dance major there and I was on the dance team. I had just graduated high school where I was dancing like 25 hours a week. It was all I did. And I was so burnt out from it that I literally went home for Christmas break and said, you know, I'm just not going to go back. Word and up. thank goodness my parents were like, OK, that's fine. Right. You know, we can do that. So I decided right then and there, I was like, I just don't think I'm going to dance. I was just so burnt out. Like, it's so hard to not Why not leave high school and go to, like, New York or L.A. or some shit and just try to be professional out the gate? I always knew that I wanted to go to college. And I don't know if that's because I was always, like, very, like, academic or... No one in those two cities is going to give you an A. Yeah. No. No, of course not. And I just always knew that I wanted a degree. 
Right. Like I wanted a degree, you know, just something to have. Um, and so then I stopped think- going to UNCG. Go ahead. And then I thought that I wanted to become a medical esthetician okay. and work in like a dermatologist office and all this stuff. So I went to school for it and I couldn't sit still. It was dreadful. Like I just wanted to move my body. I just wanted to dance. Mm-hmm. So I did that for a little while, decided that wasn't for me, that I was going to go back to school for dance. So I live super close. I live in Wilkesboro, Wolfton. Mm-hmm. Um, my family's home is there and it's like 40 minutes from Appalachian State University. So I did a semester there in dance and I loved it. Was this it was like great. spring semester term? This was term? spring semester. Got it. Yes. Of like your freshman year. The next year. What did you do for the like full year that year? For that full that year, I was doing my medical esthetician Where work. At? That was in Wilkesboro. So oh, luckily I was in home. I was okay, at home for that. I was it. at home for that. But I was going there to was school for it. There was a program in town. Yes, there was got a program it, in, it, in town that I was doing. I had trouble Couldn't imagining a functioning business in Wilkesboro. Oh, Just there's there's nothing. <laughs> Honestly, it's true. But <laughs> I decided to go to App and I loved it. I would have stayed and graduated from there. But then I found out School of the Arts was holding auditions and on a whim. I auditioned and I think I found my got my acceptance maybe like a week week and a half after my audition which was great um and I was like you know what I'm gonna go here and my parents I had put them through like a whirlwind and they were so supportive of me and thank god um I was able to do that because school of the arts my academics transferred but as far as like your art form and the curriculum they want you to go through all four over. years so you completely start over so I basically went to school for six years and I was so lucky that my parents were so understanding I was able to graduate with no student loans which is insane and I'm so sorry to my little brother I messed it up for all of us sorry (laughs) wait what do you mean because I took all of our money by going to six years of college you blew all of his college money on your (laughs) education no I didn't I didn't he um so my little brother is nine and I'm 26 okay so I was 18 and like going off to college and my mom found they out she was some pregnant. some time to raise So he has money. so much time. It's a joke. Yeah, it's totally a joke. But well, like my that, parents no, that could joke legitimately with me. happen. Oh yeah. My parents joke with me and they're like, yeah, you went to college for so many years. Yeah. But yeah, he'll be fine. But um, it sounds like it. It just takes you so long to like find where you belong. I think yeah. So it took me so long to find School of the Arts. And I'm so glad I did. Well, it if it makes you feel better, I don't know it. if I've mentioned this in the episodes you listen to. But yeah, I went to another school first. And then oh, cool. I went there. And I was actually a lighting designer in DMP first. Oh, cool. That was my first major at School yeah. of the Arts. And I transferred to drama directing. Yeah, I think it so, yeah, just, it's happen. important for people to know. Like, even if there are people listening who aren't at UNCSA yet, who are, like, maybe curious about it, I That'd think it was cool. so worth it. It was so worth it to start over there. For sure. Yeah. Well, and also, here's the cool thing that this is just my two cents on the whole going to different schools. And you, first of all, the schools that you mentioned um, were all in state schools. Yeah, they were great. North Carolina greatly subsidizes the cost of going to college in state, more so than most schools or most states. Absolutely. It's wonderful. Like, yeah, it's insane. It's like 60%. Um, they, they pay for so much of it if you'll go to state in North Carolina because mm-hmm. they want everybody from states with more money to send their kids there so that they can take some of that money, which is very smart. <laughs> um, so economically, sure, but you didn't go to Juilliard and Tisch. 
Right. You know right. what I, I mean? Like the money that you cost them wasn't like this crazy exorbitant thing. You were fucking around in state, which right. in North Carolina goes a long way. Yes. At the same time, you were in a position to not have to borrow any of the money to have these experiments, right? Right. First of all, I fucking love that you recognize that. And the simple fact that that came up in our conversation and you recognize that like, look, I kind of fucked around with some money that wasn't even mine, but it was worth it. They were cool with it. Yeah, it all, it all just out. goes back to my parents being so supportive of 100%. me even deciding to have a career in an art form at all. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. They could have been like, look, we're happy to send you to school, but you're going to be a doctor. Period. Yeah, a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, or it could have been like me, which is like, look, we're happy to support you whatever you do, but there's no money. So if you're going to do it, you're going to have to figure out how to fucking do it. Like, yeah. And yeah. I used to have more resentment for people who came from your situation only because I didn't. Right, of course. But what I what I've come to land on is this. Whether you had the leg up or you didn't, first of all, I still had a leg up because I was in a position to even consider packing up and moving to another state and going to a good school. Like that ne that ev never right. even really occurred to me. And because I grew up kind of in the suburbs and though we didn't have a lot of money, we had a little bit of money. Yeah. I believed I was entitled to a really good education. And my dad, who grew up closer to the poverty line, mm -hmm. did not believe he was entitled to that. So he never went after it. Right. So there, there's a leg up that I have on my own, but there's another leg up you had that I didn't have that a lot of people have and don't, right. and people fall on different sides. Absolutely. My thing is, as long as you recognize where the fuck you came from and you have some perspective on that, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Like, I don't hold it against people anymore that they were born into a situation that was privileged because I didn't feel that when I was a kid, and then I got to school the arts, and it's like, I don't know, I can't speak to the tr true nature of it, but it felt like... 70 30 it felt like 30 percent of us were trying to figure out how to pay to be there or yeah. having to work at ihop every weekend uh -huh. or whatever the fuck and then 70 percent of our classmates were just there because that's Coasting. what they picked yeah they got it they went to all these places to audition they got a bunch of choices mm -hmm. and then they get to pick their favorite and just go and then like yeah. it was high school just more of that yep and i along with plenty of the other 30 percenters had resentment at the time because it would you know the bitching that would come from that side of things of like oh this is so tough and it's like you're going home we're going to work was like so deep in me and I've realized since then the big lesson I've taken away from that is that there's lots and lots of people like yourself it sounds like mm -hmm. who do have that opportunity and fucking get it yeah like you know that yeah but you say yeah like almost like it's of course but you know you've got to know going to our school and coming from that place there's so many people who have had your like your fortune right your your moment of people looking out for you being understanding and supportive financially and otherwise right. but they don't get it they don't fucking understand how what a big deal that is that they started important. on fucking third base yeah yeah that's a and it's fine to start on you didn't get to choose it's not like you, when you were born, you signed up for, you, you know, poor or comfortable. Like, yeah. that wasn't the fucking thing. <laughs> you just got the life you fucking got. But whether or not you recognize that, I think, is so key. And this will maybe be one of our, like, kind of wrap-up topics because mm -hmm. I'm very interested in this. Why do you think you're not a little more spoiled? Why do you think you're not a little bit more entitled? I'm not saying you may not have some of that going on. We don't know each other that well yet. <laughs> but for the most part, it feels like you don't. You feel very yeah. level-headed. You feel It feels to me like you have perspective on how much opportunity you've been given by other people who worked hard so you could have it. Yeah. 
How did that happen? Did they shove it in your face every day when you were a kid? Hey, you're lucky. You're lucky, fucker. That's what I got. <laughs> I got, you're lucky we live in the goddamn suburbs. I grew up on a farm, son of a bitch. Like, yeah. that, that was, that's how I came to appreciate it. Then I would go to that farm and be like, whoa, this is where the fuck you grew up? I'm so glad we live outside of Austin, Texas in the suburbs. This is dope. Right. Also, there's no money for college, you know? So if you want to fucking get it, you got to go, go get, get it. That yeah. was my experience. What is it that led you to be where you are and appreciate where you are without being like, yeah, I totally deserve this shit? So I think it just goes back to how my – I'm incredibly close with my family. Um, and I never grew up – I never grew up wanting anything, but also I never grew up thinking like, I can have anything I want. Do you have a long list at Christmas and birthdays and shit? Be honest. When I was younger, yeah. I mean, of course. I feel like every little kid does. You know, they're like, I want this and like the Barbie dream house. Weirdo. And like, oh, you were like one, one thing? I didn't ask my parents for like almost anything ever. See? I felt super guilty. It I, was like, we have lots of really nice things and I and I appreciate that and I feel like it's wrong of me to ask for a $200 video game or something. very mature. I guess, but it, it was also a little bit of like, who am I? Like who to am, ask for. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You give me everything I want all the time pretty much. I'm like, hey, I see something on TV. I'm like, that looks kind of cool. My mom would like just go get it when it wasn't Christmas. Yeah. Like I would get little – because they were so happy to be able to provide that they would – they didn't wait till Christmas to give me shit. It was like, oh – I once got a splinter in my finger and my mom bought me a Power Ranger because she felt so oh, bad yeah. that I was upset and she had the money to like solve it with a toy. So when it came <laughs> time for Christmas and she was like, what do you want? Now it's time for me to get you a bunch of shit. I'm like, you've been giving me shit all year. I what else would anything. I need? My parents were great about giving me incentives. Like okay. every every A that I would get, I got like money per A. And oh, so I'd shit. be like, I need straight A's because yeah. I need that money. Even though they're paying for everything. I was living under right. their roof. I was like in middle school. Right. But yeah, they were really good about giving me incentives and stuff but also i got a job when i was 16 oh word like, doing what i when you and, didn't have and to and not because i had to but right. because my parents were like you're 16 it's time for you to get a job like you should work i had that yeah. same conversation you and you know what's hilarious you probably grew up a little more comfortable than me and then they said it's time for you to get a fucking job and you were like of course it is and then you yeah. did it my yeah. i grew up with less and my dad was like it's time for you to get a job and i was like i don't understand we have plenty of money yeah. That was my response. I was like, I wasn't trying to be lazy, but I was like, you give me. I don't me, understand. Again, Why you do give I need me, to? You give me money all the time. My dad's like, well, you need to have your own money. I was like, but you give me my own money. <laughs> but I, that's my yeah, allowance. I, like, yeah, I'm not getting it. He was like, so you're saying that the $50 you give me a week or I'm going to get $100 a week and I got to go work every day at like McDonald's or something. Mm -hmm. Nah, man, I'll take the yeah. 50. And he's I like, was... the 50's going away, dude. Mm -hmm. You're done with, like, we're not giving you this anymore. You're either going to work for it or not. And my attitude was legitimately, I'm not proud of this. <laughs> like, I can get by on no money. We have enough stuff here. I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. There was no, well, like, also... I want to save up. To, he's like, don't you want to get a car later or something like that? I was like, I'll figure it out, and I feel like I can find enough money for it. Well, do, well I don't, there's no need to go get yeah, a job. Yeah, I mean, it takes a very specific child to be like, yes, I want to get a job. But yes, you did. I want to go to work. I didn't want to, but I understood that okay. I, it was time to. You know, I mean, I wasn't sure. like, I'm so excited Where'd to work. Where'd you go? Were you like at Sonic I was, or something? I was a hostess yep. for an Italian restaurant and a cashier. How was that for you? I was very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> I love math. Every time I would do the till, the owner would be like, it's always perfect when you like close out. How do you do it? And I was just like, 
I just do my job. What do you mean? And then we found out that the manager was like stealing from the cash register. Right. When he was doing it. So that explains that. But it's like, yeah, you need I to stop getting that to... right. You're fucking my shit up. Yeah. Yeah. You like I was I mean? like messing you, things up for him. Can you misplace a few bucks from time to time? Because then it, <laughs> when I steal, it looks like super obvious, girl. So. Oh, yeah. He got fired. But. I was a hostess. And then after that, I was even throughout college. I mean, everyone knows UNCSA is like, it's really hard. Anyone who holds a steady job throughout any of those programs, I have so much props to because they are so demanding. Thank you. Just in their own, like without anything outside, they are so demanding. But I still would try to like teach when I could. Every time I go home still, like I feel like I don't want to go home and just have a break. I want to go home and I want to teach at places and I want to still continue to work. And I think it's just something that's been instilled into me. And also it's part of my personality mm-hmm. also is that I'm just like totally fine with that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, they were just so good about always making me like they had a dollar, but they wanted me to understand the importance of it. You know, they weren't just going to hand me things. Your parents should like legitimately. They should write a book. I'm telling you. They should write a book. If they can figure <laughs> in no in no joke, and if by chance they hear this, figure out what the fuck you did, write it down, and sell that shit because <laughs> it's the big it's the big problem, right? If you come up from nothing, you have a built in incentive to work hard because you want to continue to not go back to where it used to be. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. And then you put yourself in a position where now you're comfortable and you have children and what do you you can't force these kids to grow up in poverty there's no way to do that we give all your money away and you got to go back to live in the way you used to also and yeah. so there's this catch-22 which is like i want to instill the drive in them that got me over the poverty line mm-hmm. or whatever their situation was and improved right. but i also want to provide them a life that's not uncomfortable yeah, of course. And it, and somehow they managed to figure that out with you. Yeah, they and did. And that's totally. super valuable. Like, yeah. you're still a hustler. You're still someone who's like, I'm not going to rest on a C plus. I want the fucking A plus. I don't even want the A. I want the A plus. Yeah. <laughs> and I just think that's like so invaluable. If they can figure out whatever the fuck they did to make you value that dollar. Yeah. They should they absolutely, absolutely do it because so many people out there. But you know what? As I'm saying that, I'm like, anyone who's really aware of that dynamic and wants to make sure their kids don't end up little assholes, even though they have money, I think probably does get it. I think they'll probably figure it out. It's the people who aren't aware they're teaching their kids to be assholes who are the problem, and they're not looking to solve their situation anyway. Well, no, they don't see it. Yeah, they don't know. They don't realize, like, yeah, you're making these entitled, like, pieces of shit. I will say, as a, a final thing, my... I worried a lot about my nephews because they were raised by my mom who also raised me and I think I was raised well and I liked a lot of the values that were instilled in me and I worried because she was also their grandmother when they were a kid she gave them a lot of shit yeah and she made it a little There's... bit easier on them than she'd made it on me and it wasn't jealousy of like how come they get an easier life I was I remember being like 16 17 when they were really young and being like no 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 like you can't you're being too soft you, yeah you can't give this kid something on the other kid's birthday so they both get a thing oh i hate that it's oh like every God, kid they, gets a trophy they did that shit to them Ugh. and i was like no 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 i was like you're so good at raising kids why are you doing this this is gonna <laughs> fuck it all up like 
but she couldn't, you know, ba- and now, you know, they're older and they've gone through so much shit with their mom that I think that like it balanced out a little bit of the easiness they got because other parts of their lives have been super fucking hard for no reason. Uh-huh. But I was like so nervous for them. I think they lucked out because it's like my mom was such a good parent and their mom is such not a good parent that it was like a nice blend of them turning yeah. out like, you know, a good, not decent fucked human. Up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not fucked up. Um, do you have any final thoughts, Caitlin? I'm just really glad that I came onto the podcast. It's been really great to talk to you. And I just encourage anybody who's out there trying to make whatever this life is work, you know, whether you're in New York or LA or Chicago or North Carolina, Mm -hmm. um, just to keep working for it, keep going for it. You got it. It's so encouraging. It's so personal trainer of you. Speaking of which, hit yeah. up Caitlin on all the platforms to get your get your winter abs, we'll call them. Uh, it's that time of year. Thank you so much for doing this. So I've been reading about At the Elephants is produced and edited by Rob Morris in Silver Lake, California, with music provided by Daniel Limond and Max Stamper Brown. <laughs>